East Coast mm. and pushed over. So you have maybe the closest to, it's not exact, but the closest to the purest form of American Indians up in the Northwest, Alaska, and that West Coast of Canada going up that way. Whale hunting. You sound dangerously white supremacist when you say purist, though. Well, when I say purist, <laughs> listen, far from it. When I say purist, I mean in terms of pre-contact. Because a lot of people want to try to get into that mindset, but I don't think that it's possible because the West has already made their contact and they've already subjugated so many people. The best to, to think about what my ancestors were thinking about before those ships came, I think is an impossibility because there weren't reservations and they weren't trying to get back to their roots. They were already there. So the concept of trying to get mm. back to your roots is something that comes with the expansion of the West. So when I say purist, that's what I mean. I don't mean by any genetic sense because that concept wasn't even a part of whatever they, my tribes, they, they would adopt people from other tribes, mm. right? And they could adopt but people. In your tribe, because from what I know of tribalism, it has everything to do with blood. No, not at all. Absolutely the opposite. Mm. There was no concept of blood quantum until the white man came. That's when... No, I don't mean the concept of blood quantum, but the lineage of families. Just that, that simple. While there is an aspect to lineages, yeah. the truth is, is that it was the relationship. So you could adopt somebody, and they often did. I'm sure you've come across stories where there were wars, Yeah. right? But I was going to say, only at time of wars. I don't know... Too many isolated incidents where someone who was adopted became the chief of a tribe, unless it was at a wartime. Well, even that concept chief yeah. is kind of a white concept yeah. because a lot of American Indians didn't necessarily have quote unquote chiefs. Yeah. They had influential people yeah. that other people decided to follow. And it was actually the American government that tried to assign the type. Or, or a shaman or a medicine man for that reason. Mm -hmm. Well, so a medicine man necessarily isn't always uh, a familiar. It can be, you can be descended, but oftentimes it like moves in a diagonal direction, not directly to the son, but to the nephew. Right. Because there has to be some sort of um, observation that the, the person that's going to receive the sacred knowledge has some ability, some natural innate ability, whatever that would have been. But in, in the tribes up north, for sure, you could adopt people. And, it, and, and if it was adopted, if you adopted somebody, you didn't have the thought like, well, they're not my blood. You didn't have that. Thought. It was like natural. That's a natural part of the wars and or death or whatever. Mm. And part of tribalism I think is outside real true tribalism is outside our our concepts I think of like western legalisms and, and and sort of concepts about blood or genetics or anything like that but it's only adding to what you say which is that um that relationships familial relationships were were important for sure that's what made the tribe I mean it's that way in Africa Hutus I mean, are Yorubas and Igbos, you know, while they may be similar, I mean, they're, what, what separates them is not the Western idea or construct of, of race. Right. It's tribalism. 100%. Same way as with the American Indian. 100%. Same thing. And a lot of time they had to do with, and not the hierarchy of the lineage of blood in terms of rights to land like the Europeans. Right. But certainly within the tribe. 
Right. Respect. But, but blood matters. And, and, and so I can't, obviously, I don't know much about uh, African tribalism. You do. Well, it's the same. I, I, don't, I wouldn't presume to, but. It's the same, brother. But I will tell you this uh, the coolest thing that I find in my tribe and part of um, the American Indian sort of experience is the idea that there's also relationship to animals. So I'm like Bear Clan. Same thing. Right. So um, Africa, you know, while it's been the mother of all the major monotheistic religions, is also the mother of the ideal of assigning attributes to things in nature mm-hmm. um, or animals, elements, things right. like that. Um, if you study Western or African spirituality, when you talk about Yemaya, Yemaya and um, Olegba, Oshun, mm. these are all deities that rule over elements, nature, mm-hmm. uh, the same way that Bear Clan or Bear Tribe or Eagle Claw, it's the same thing. And it's the, you know, it's meant to um, amplify the meaning of things in the physical world by, you know, it's the spiritual world by expressing them through animals and shit like that. So to actually, actually, believe it or not, the root of that comes from African spirituality. Well, in my tribe. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same shit. In my tribe, um, well, first, I want to point out that they just discovered um, some bones in archaeology, I would say, within the last month that established humans have been here a lot longer in North America, a lot longer than they thought. Mm. Noble Ali taught that this is Egypt. And are known as a mexim, and you know that the knowledge, the white man reversed a lot of knowledge in order to conceal it. So I mean, Noble Draw Lee, the master of the Moorish Science Temple, has been saying that since 1936. The um, Mormons also claim that <clears throat> that uh, Jesus came to the North, North America, America to prophesize. <laughs> now I got to tell you, I'm just gonna lay it out on the table, well, Mr. Depends on what Mr. You, Infinite. I'm gonna lay it out on the table. Yeah. I, I don't, um, as an American Indian, like for like when the Mormons say that, I take serious offense to it because I'm like, none of my people talked about any white dude walking around here and talking about anything. Well, he wasn't white, first of all. Or anybody. <laughs> anybody talking about monotheism in my tribe. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus wasn't talking about monotheism either. What did Jesus teach? <laughs> Jesus taught everything, man. Yeah. Jesus taught. Jesus' expression was love, you know. Right. He, and which is actually an element that is unseen but expressed. Um, how did it get twisted up? Like, why is why are I we? I don't know how it got twisted up. Well, I'm, from what I know, in terms of yeah. the, the Council of Nicaea, you can kind of start there, man. And so what you're referencing is Constantine eventually got converted, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And then the empire, which is the Roman Empire, right. set up in about like... Actually, Constantinople. Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> and they set up the Council of Nicaea. And here you see empire trying to interpret Jesus' message of... Well, that actually, that's one of the first times Jesus is referred to as... Messiah or Krishna, yeah. Christ. Right. There's been over a thousand Christ in all you know religious texts from East. You know, there's been a lot of Christ, or Krishna, Christ. That's where Krishna comes from. The actual Krishna means Christ. Right. Christ. Uh-huh. So when people talk about Christ energy, they're not always necessarily talking about Jesus Christ. They're right. talking about the energy of the Redeemer. Right. <laughs> of you know, and but Jesus was a student of many. Um, Esoteric 
Oh, oh, oh. Can you open that door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, next. Um, so if, if Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds is wondering what's going on right now, we're sitting here with the great Chase Infinite. Big at C- Haroon at Coffee Haroon. in Lamert Park, California. In, the infamous Lamert Park, the infamous Haroon Coffee. And the shop is open. And yeah, the shop is, is how open. It is. open right and now. we got Rama. And we got Rama. Uh, yes. So it's my understanding, you know, Jesus was a student of, because his expression or what he, his, his example was love, yeah. he was a student of... Um, Almost everything, man. You know, Jesus was an adept of, in, in Egypt. He studied in India. He studied um, Gautama Buddha and the lessons of Buddhism, which are over 35,000 years old. Right. Um, you know, I, from my understanding, um, from what I can gather, my research, you know, I was my, my, uh, my minor in college was theology. Okay. So I kind of been, uh, I don't know, uh, fascinated with the concept or man's relationship with the concept of God and vice versa since about 13, 14. And um, from what I can gather, man, like Jesus was just, he was an incredibly charismatic figure that was very learned, mm-hmm. you know? So because of his magnetism, um, he became a problem, particularly in Rome. You know, yeah, in the province yeah. of Judea. Yeah, he became a problem because... Um, he split the population. You know, he was so dynamic. You know, yeah, motherfuckers running behind him like this with this Jesus nigga. Like, oh shit, this nigga performing miracles and doing shit. Who is this nigga? Right. And, and at the time, you had a hierarchy of the Jewish faith called the Pharisees. Right. And these were the well, kind of people. Well, I don't even know if they're you know, to, from my, you know, Jewish is a loose term at the time. You know, well, they, they were they were they were a loose traveling tribe known as the Hicksaw tribe at the time. It was, but know, the Pharisees, right. you would agree, were uh, high priests, oh, for, well, right? Yeah. with lots of titles, and they did the rules all correctly. And Jesus was a guy that came in as a disruptor, and was like, "Look, we don't need to correctly in quotes." It's almost like. Um, you're eating correctly, right? But that's based on your a European standard, right? right? Did you use you know, you know what I mean? Like right, right, right. he's not eating correctly. Like eh, I'm eating, motherfucker. I'm putting sustenance in my body, whether right. it's my hands or my fork. But right. you know, the Western or established European way of looking at dining is a certain fucking thing. So that's what I mean. Like, yeah, did Jesus was how many people were actually going to these lands and learning firsthand from the people that were you know, teaching this sacred knowledge. And at the time you had, you know, Rome was going through a lot. You had Greece that was about to come in. I think that for me in history where everything kind of got fucked up was when Greece, not fucked up, but was kind of um, misconstrued. The part in the book where everything gets hazy mm-hmm. is when Greece came in, when they colonized Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. It took all the knowledge. Yeah. It was like from there, you don't know what the truth is. <laughs> like, you know, right. That's right. Because you're like, these niggas is like, okay, well, uh, put this out there and keep this here. Okay. A, okay. It, put this over there. Oh, tell them this, but this will really happen. And, uh, and we're going to keep this shit over here. Okay. And, and what, it was like, and what Chase is saying is correct because a lot of Greek ideas that they claim ownership of already existed in Egypt before they went and they and just re- And they reversed them in order to, to conceal them, the, the, the truth in it. Like, 1000%. You know like, so it's like, you don't know wow. what to believe since then. And then everything, Everything we do is based off that shit. I'm talking about yeah. the, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, all the fucking everything. everything. It's all this shit is all based upon that. So at, from that point, you're like, you don't know what to believe, you know. But I think we're going through a whole rewriting of history again right now. All right. So let's let me put my finger on the record here and stop it. 
and said, what you've just been uh, allowed to hear is some sacred knowledge from Mr. Chase Infinite, and we're about to get this show kicked off. That was just a taste. Oh, yeah, shit. sermon. We didn't start yet, nigga? Uh, no, nah, <laughs> man. You and, I, you and I just fucking jumped yeah. out ahead of the pack. Oh, shit. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You've tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's a hard luck show. Coming at you today from Haroon Coffee yes, in Lamert Park, California. Beautiful Lamert Park. Infamous Lamert Park. Right. And you recognize that voice. That's my partner and co-host is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant, barbarian, bringing it straight from the reservation. If you stick it to the man, yuck, so yeah. If you die for your people, yuck, so yeah. If you see through the evil, come on, let's get, yeah. let's tear it down. Man. Let's just tear down all the structures, yeah. burn it to the ground. Who is this? This is Kelly. This is Snotty Nose Rez Kids. <laughs> okay. Reservation rap. Snotty Nose Rez Kids. What's yeah, yaksi? So. What's that mean? That means let's fuck it up. <laughs> Yaxi, yaxi. That's what it means. Let's fuck it up. Yeah. I'm an honorary member of the. Um, let me tell y'all niggas right now. Yeah. Honorary niggas. member of. Hold on. Yeah, I want to see this. He's pulling out cards. He's got cards. I see a yeah. Costco Driver's card. Yeah, he's like honor- a lot of credit he's an honorary cards. Member of- cards that look like money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked yeah. like he's Hold about on. ready to play. He's like 16 police officer. Yeah, 52 car pickup. What is that? Manzanita, Manzanita Police Department. <laughs> oh man, where's Manzanita? Where were you when I got a speeding ticket, man? <laughs> so Manzanita is a small reservation yeah. in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. right. Right on. I, because I'm an indigenous uh, 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 American who has some native blood in me. Of course. In, oh. attempt, in my many attempts, so I work in I'm working music entertainment industry. Niggas, yeah. know, I, ain't, I ain't no fucking cop. So what we did is we paid. I made. A contribution to the entertainment department for this lovely place, and I am a reserve officer, which allows me right get on that mic, which allows me to carry firearms. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. There you go. Yeah, hey, you got to so come I'm on. A, I'm Mission a peace, accomplished. I'm a peace officer on the reservation only because I understand that separate and sovereign nations in this country do have some. You know, it's it's important, man, especially if you're a person of you're a person of color. Let's hold that real quick. Yeah. Let's hold that thought for a second. <laughs> On sound, Sean Lewis, certified audio professional, engineer. Okay, wait, wait. For the hard, show. Yeah, blue eyes, dude. You know what? Man, he's riding a pony. Right? He's riding a pony today. Listen, old blue Where's eyes, Rock? Old blue eyes. This is this is old blue eyes dream come true. He came down here with his with his easy e shirt. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Did you see you you all the time? Is that what they do? They hate you all the time? Oh yeah. That's some bullshit. He rolled through and he goes, Finally I'm doing a show. This is the jungle, isn't it? Isn't it when they call it jungle? Let me tell you something. (laughs) No, it's close though. The jungle's across West of Crenshaw. Hey, in all reality, I gotta say something. I'm gonna say this live and I'm gonna say it so Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds hears this shit. So listen up, because it's true. 
my chest swelled with pride because old blue eyes was just standing outside and somebody came up and said hey we're trying to clean up the community you want to help out and did you help (laughs) yeah he put you fucking better have, nigga. He did. He did. He did. I watched him. I watched him. got right in there. Oh, huh? dude, he had the gloves on. He was carrying yeah. pizza boxes and shit off the Tight. street. Yeah. yeah. Right. He up. talked to that dude on a skateboard, whoever that dude is. Who's I that did. guy on the skateboard? Man, this nigga be on the Let me ask you something. Let yeah. me ask you something. Yeah. And now I've done some street cleaning in my neighborhood. Not go only ahead. in Venice, go we ahead. do it, but in San Francisco, we would go out on Saturday and clean the whole wait, area. Wait, you went right? clean? You you went clean Venice? That's a lot. I, it's a lot for you. I know. It took a lot for you to do that. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's right there. It's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a it's a place I manage, and I want to and I want to show the guys the right way to you know. Yes, sir. Listen, you got to be or an the example. contributing at way this to point. Think, at right? this point. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm just curious. When was the last time, or has any have any of you ever been approached by some people to clean up the street? I would say two years ago in San Diego. Really? Yes, I was. I was approached by some people, <clears throat> and uh, and I helped out. Great. No problem. You? Today. Oh, well, he did it today. today. Yeah, you know he got down today. How about yeah. you? Yeah. No. And really, I've never had anybody come up to me and ask me to clean. You don't look like the type that would agree for to that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the concept of like, I always get picked on to like, hey, I need you to help me move this thing. Like, so, yeah. it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. if they got some heavy exactly. work, they might be like, hey, get exactly. that big dude over exactly. there. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's like one of the few downsides of being <laughs> a big guy. If you need somebody to move a car, like, hey, my, my hey, car needs to be towed over And here. listen, <laughs> do not be my size and then drive a big old truck. Bro, Owners and stop blowing up. Oh, yeah. Refrigerators, bookcases, <laughs> a bucket, yeah. any fucking thing. Yeah. And listen, we got it. We got. You, yeah, can, you can hear this uh, joyous laughter coming from this man. <laughs> This man that we got ultimate respect for at the oh, Hard Luck man. Show. I guess my friend that also is Hold joining on. us today. Right. And, no, 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 not, not quite. Oh, the other, the oh, other oh, man, oh, man. respect oh, my right. real friend. We got, yeah, we got like a million friends and respect. All right, let me try. How about this one? Ooh. Yeah, it's still, still me though. Welcome yeah. in. Yeah, but that's what he picked. That's what doing I picked. Some, doing some commentary. That's Rama song. Doing some commentary today. It's Rama. Welcome Rama to the show. Yeah. Honored to be here again. Come on, hit us with some freestyle, Rama. Go. Oh, oh shit, y'all tripping. Trying to make my name. Come on, nah, come freestyle. on. Yeah, come on. Right, there we go. Let's yeah, that's it. Come All on. right. Yo. That's beautiful. That's gold ribbon. Exactly. You know what we call that? We, we call that a. We call that the minimalist. You're like a skateboarder kid over there. He got all ready. Yo. He did. He was like. He took a breath. He, he sent his lyrics like, down. Yo. yo. That's it, nigga. Yeah. He was like. He centered his energy. I saw his chi coalesce right in his chest. Exactly. Yo. If you didn't get it, you missed it. You missed it. If you tuned in, you heard those lyrics. If you tuned in, you missed it. Too early in the show, too early in the morning. Listen here, gentlemen. Let me tell you something. You need to do more. We are here at Haroon Coffee in Lamert Park, California. Right. And we're here today, man, because I have been trying to get a very dear friend of mine, old friend of mine, soul assassin brother of mine, on the show for quite a while. Just a busy, busy man. And we finally worked it out. He's the owner of Haroon Coffee. 
like I said, in Lamert Park, California. Yes, visited by Gavin this, Newsom recently. He's visited Ooh, by really? everybody. Yeah, it's kind of true. And Rob over here, and I was doing, I was going to do a show, and I invited uh, Rama down because we are are having on the show today, which, like I said, a brother of mine. His name is Chase Infinite. Yes, sir. Yes. Chase Infinito. to the show. Chase. Thank you for welcoming us in your business, man. This beautiful, beautiful place. We get to do this in today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My brother. Yes, but I'm talking about maybe somewhere between 28 yeah. to 30 years. Easy. I've known this guy, man. This yeah. guy, I mean, we're talking about pre-Supermax. You know, oh, yeah. mm. you know, yeah, we're talking about sure. pre-Supermax, you know, sure. mm. um, yeah, I've known you so long. I'm not even sure I met your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just blend it into my life. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. When did I meet this nigga? I man? never yeah, even introduced yeah. to this dude, bro. No, but I, I know we met through my cousin, Bigger B. Bigger B, rest in peace. Bigger B. Bigger B. He is the bridge that brought sure. us together. Sure. He's the bridge that brought for so, so many, many things, things yeah, together. For sure. But he's certainly. So in understanding. Are you are you Bigger B's nephew cousin? I'm his cousin. Your cousin. So my my father Travis Johnson the third um, had sixteen brothers and sisters. Damn, fifteen six mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. Um, his his sister Kathy is Bigger's mom. So that's my that's my cousin, man, my first cousin. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let me give you let me I'm give you a real real quick fifteen seconds rundown, and that's that Bigger B was a huge music player in the game man and he did a lot of different things but he broke major major artists through and around loud records and like if i could explain to you the whole wu-tang experience coming to the west coast was pretty much responsible one person did that and that was bigger b put that together they'll say that though that's not even just they'll say that so that's not exactly like you go to raekwon you know any anybody um and then the other thing was he really brought that experience to los angeles uh through unity the club's called unity and a number of other uh, other things and he was active active running a lot in the music business and he began to promote these cl- big clubs, and he, me and Bigga, uh, we had mutual friends. We How did y'all meet? Bigga B meet, met when Bigga B before when Bigga B was doing like some security, security ba- backdoor at the, shit at the palace. At the palace, maybe we yeah, Orlando. Yeah, might have been at the palace, and then some shit on um, Wilshire Boulevard, like like the King King Two. No, or something. the oh, the um, R and B Live. R and B Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he used to do R and B Live. So yeah, me and him yeah. met, and he and Bigger B ain't Bigger Big B played football in college. Huh? How big? How big was so Bigger B? You and LV, right? William Lanakila Oprin was six three, what three twenty? Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. around so there. So, but his it, William Lanakila. So his middle name is is indu- indicative of his lineage. So his father was Samoan. So Bill's wow. black oh, and Samoan yeah. like cast like this. <laughs> Looking like stovepipes. He could fucking dunk and move. He was tall. He was an All-American uh, lineman at UNLV. But when this dude approached you, yeah. you could just t- bro, he had a Teddy vibe bear. about him, dude. I was like, <laughs> uh, and you could, anybody could approach this guy. Yeah. Plus, yeah. bro, his face, bro, he had this smile, bro, and this... His face, bro. He was a. This was a handsome motherfucker with yeah. charisma yeah. and all that, dude. Yeah. You'd engage him, and you wouldn't really want to stop talking with Big. Oh, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And everybody moved towards him like a magnet. Yeah. Magnet. You just really wanted him to acknowledge you, and like, 
just engage you, and that would be kind of enough. He was that type of a personality, you know? Yeah. Give yeah. you the nod, and, and and so anyways, he has he's doing a lot, bro. And I'm not I'm at my my store, and he's like bringing. In, Biggie Smalls. That's Breaking you, Biggie that's Smalls. When you, that's, when you, that's when you had this spot on Melrose, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, wait, um, wait a second. What do you mean Breaking Biggie Smalls? I'm talking about so people didn't people, know who Biggie, Biggie right. Smalls wasn't anybody. There was a time when nobody no, knew who no, Biggie there Smalls was. Of course. And the first time, the first, you know, he came out here. So Bigger was a hell of a promotions person because Loud Records had a company called SRC, Steve Rifkin Company, that did all marketing promotions, what we call street teams. Mm -hmm. So Bigger was a director of promotions for Loud Records, so he ran SRC, the, you know, the, the street team. So his motto was like the promotion never ceases. So he got so popular within the industry that when artists become from other places uh, and he comes to L.A. for the first time, because Big, Bigger had Unity and knew all the whole hip hop circuit and you know all he the stores and all that he was connected, they would have Bigger run with them in order, to, in order to, for them to get introduced to Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a big fucking market, you know, right? All type of shit to do, right? From gang bang shit to there's a lot of ground to cover. Right, a lot right, of shit right. to cover. So because Bigger was so connected to, to all these different people, when when Biggie first came out here, I met Biggie for the first time right here on Crenshaw, like you know, at display, uh, a spot called Sparkles. I think he did a, 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 a he was with Puff. Um, they all had bad boy jackets on mm -hmm. and shit, but nobody yeah. knew who was. Me and Exhibit, I was at the club. I remember me, me and Exhibit went together. We were smoking weed in the bathroom all night cause, for some reason, but I remember we <laughs> met Biggie for the first time. Nobody knew who this nigga was. Like, right. Mm -mm. When he first came out here and he did... Um, Didn't know what Bad Boy Records no. was or any of well, that. Start, I knew what Bad Boy was because I used to intern at uh, MCA at like 15 years old. So no I remember, shit. So, so when Puffy got... He first got his label deal. He got fired working at, uh, um, at Uptown. Uh -huh. But then he um, first got his label deal. They used to always come through the office with these fucking, these coaches jackets on. They said, bad boy, biggest fuck on. And so I knew who they were. You know what I'm saying? Him, the first person I met really from bad boy, there was Groovy Lou. The dude that was the, that's the stylist, the nigga with the dreads. Uh -huh. Groovy Lou was the first person I actually met. Because he used to always could be in and out the office. And he was, you know, look mad cool. He's a roster. <laughs> and, uh... Biggie, I think I, we met Biggie for the first time at Sparkles and then uh, 12th and Hope downtown when Biggie used to do like, because Biggie used to do Unities and Hacienda. all these different, and all, all Hacienda. these different, Hacienda too, yeah, but, yeah. but he did um, 12th, and 12th and Hope was a whole, like he used to rent out these old warehouses yeah. and shit. Yeah, bro. So, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that was always a thing, like trying to find, that's how, funny enough. I mean, cr that crazy, like, like meat warehouses and shit. Yeah. Like, there was real casinos in Huntington Park. Yeah, and like, yeah, 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 shit yeah, like, yeah. Let me yeah, ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you like a question. Let's just cut the shit. Like when you first met Biggie, did you know that he was going to rise to the level he was going to? No, rise? hell, fuck no. Wow. Because at the time there was no precedent for for brothers like that. And, and, you know, right, like, right, it was right. Meaning what? Meaning what? For brothers like what? Mean what does that actually mean? A big super. Dark brother from Brooklyn with a lazy eye, like you know, <laughs> right, rapping right. with a high pitched voice. Like, I mean, hit, no, don't get me wrong. The first time I heard um, Party and Bullshit, mm -hmm. you know, Biggie was a legend in New York already, but right. he, it was a street legend from rapping on the street, right? But I heard Party and Bullshit, it was on the Who's the Man soundtrack, and I was working at MCA at the time, okay. I was an intern there, so we got the, you know, you used to get shit like three weeks before street date. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the part of working at the record label. You get yeah. promo yeah. copies three weeks before street date. Yeah. So I remember getting that shit, and me immediately I was like, "Yo, who the fuck is this?" Looking righteous in the twenties. Yeah. 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 Hit him yeah. with a yeah. little Biggie for one on one. How to have gun and tow, How to have fun and tow guns with Jamaican rum conversation, blunts and rotation. I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" Yeah, I was like, yeah, "Yo, yeah. Biggie's going crazy." His 
it's called partying bullshit. But that's the yeah. first time. Just his, yeah. his, his cadence on that shit. I was like, who the fuck is this nigga? I yeah. remember just being attached to that shit. So when yeah. I met him, I had like a... Um, I knew who he was, you know what I'm saying? Because shortly after that is when Puff had him all out here and all that right, shit. Right. So I was like, I knew who he was, you know, but it wasn't like I didn't know, you know, these things. Hey, dog, that big of a fucking dude, legend like that. Biggest breaking album. This is the kind of shit he's doing out here, right? He's putting this out. Yeah. He starts doing um, not these big clubs like he's talking about. And so Big is like, hey, bro, I'm going to put you on. You're gonna do this unity door, right? Of this, of this thing, he was gonna try, right? And we, we hooked up, and it was to off you. the hinges. Yeah, dude, it was one of those things. Like it, it was way more people. It kind of <laughs> like when you light it, the firecracker, and you kind of like, but boom, you feel yeah. the explosion. Yeah, dude, there were all these people like weren't gonna fit into this place, right? Right. Yeah. So it was that, that real. Was a, that like, was always the case. It, always. It was. It was real. Like select on who you got. Now big, big is there. And I don't. I think maybe Orlando was there too, dog. Oh, no, yeah. Orlando, and Orlando was there. for sure. And it's yeah. and it's getting out of hand, bro. Like, yeah, it's getting crazy, right? Yeah. But the whole time, I'm like checking motherfuckers. Stevan shows up as my back. I'm like, no, this. I'm lining motherfuckers up and like, and Big is like getting a little bit like frustrated. Yeah, dude. And 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 I'm like, hey man, just I got this. I got this. I got this. Rush him inside and kind of executed this evening without any um. Shit happening, right? Yeah. Without any shit happening. And ever since that, from that night, Bigger was already putting my, he's like, hey, dog, you're going to handle this shit. From now on, whenever I do clubs, you're going to be the dude at the front door. Bro. Hey, you're let gonna- me ask you a quick question. Right there. So you're hustling all this. How do you, what's the strategy? What's it really like checking all these fools and when you're getting overrun like that? Is if you don't establish some sense of like command over everybody. Yeah. Early on, yeah. Then the shit they're gonna ride right over you. And what do you do apart. to establish command? I'm putting man, I was fucking I'm putting hands. <laughs> I, was, you know, I was putting hands on a few people, you, you know, like uh, and, and I could have gotten, you know, yeah, just bro, you, you know, kind of. But not afraid to like push people back, give us some fucking room, and reestablish the ropes. Yeah. And like what the fuck, man, back up, man. You don't hear me, or you know. <laughs> Like, I guess you, I was about to be with it if it would have come to that. Yeah, right. Just yeah. recognize I'm that shit. Like, You're just intimidating the shit out of niggas. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's true, man. I'll tell you, bro. I, I remember, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe I was smaller, too, back yeah. then. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? That's but the look, Come on. It's Esteban, Esteban and, this, lucky, and these niggas look grown as fuck. Orlando at the door. These dudes were big. big right. Bro. You know, Lucky, I mean, he was a... He was big to me. All like, these niggas like, got real damn. mustaches. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like, damn. Yeah. Bro. We, were, we were hip-hop kids, and yeah. these dudes were grown men. So we're there, but so as I'm doing these clubs, and it gets better and better. Right. And shit's just getting yeah. better and better. And to the point where, it got to the point where it was like, he'd have the club all ready to go, just about to let people in, and I'd just pull up. And be the door, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's crazy. Anyways, he has his cousin that rolls all the time. Now, me and Chase know a little bit of each other, uh-huh. but I'm just starting to really see Chase, right? I'm young. I'm, I'm, still, I'm dancing. I'm rapping. I'm all over the place. Check this shit out, bro. You know, he said, like, he said, Chase always have a few albums under yeah, his arms. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a little bit later. Yeah, but in later. the beginning, when Chase came through, bro, he would come through and, like, Meet big or sometimes he'd come up big and this dude you see he's a real pretty boy bro yeah he yeah, would come yeah. out Chase dog, a handsome dude yeah, this yeah. 
uh-huh. would look like Nas, bro. Like, yeah. this shit would be like, bro, hey, hey, this dude was the best dressed dude yeah. in this club. I've and he'd have like pictures. this crazy shit. Yeah. And he get out smooth. Like, this dude should be coming out of like a Porsche 911. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he looked like he was already this paid rapper. Yeah. And part of me inside was like, this motherfucker like signed some. I'm trying to hear his music, dog. Like, what do they call this motherfucker? <laughs> And do like his Julie all his yeah, shit. Like, all true story, so man. so it was just having this dude around. <laughs> I think it was part of why the club was popping because all the girls would be trying to yeah. talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, hey, he, he was yeah, like he was a piece. He was like the piece that you bring. Yeah. Like the shiny piece. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This dude, man, he could just stand around in front of the club <laughs> and it would just fill up. Oh. Know, people want to come meet this guy. Yeah, yeah just yeah. like Bill, like Bill. So like Chase had that same magnetism. People yeah. were like, Absolutely. People were like oh, we both Aries. So listen, yeah, biggest yeah. biggest birthday is March twenty eighth. Mine's March twenty seventh. We're a day apart. Yeah. Um, you know, our his mother and my father were close, you know what I'm saying? Um, like me and he's, you know, his cousins become like your closest your sure. brothers. Like that's the closest person to me ever. Like you guys you know, were close. That was that was. I, I really never close. felt the loss. Like my father died recently, and I can honestly say, like I my, I miss my father. But the thing, nothing's ever impacted me like bigger leaving. Like still to this day, it's hard for me to talk about it. But the the um, the thing was, I was younger. So when bigger left college and came and lived with us, yeah, I was already. Bigger B, his name is William Lanakeel Open, right? So yeah. Bigger, that comes from reggae. He's a yeah. reggae head. Right. Know? And then all he listened to is reggae, bro. It's one of what was big- his favorite reggae stuff? Augustus Pablo, like Roots. He, he, he really fuck with Roots, the real spiritual reggae yeah, shit. Like, he yeah. liked it all, but the shit that he really, like, yeah. sun, all Sunday, yeah. all he would do is smoke herb. I really get my love for herb and, yeah. and reggae, really, from, from Bigger. He, he made it more than just, like, a social interaction thing. It's like a spiritual thing. Right. right. He was really a Rasta. Like, in terms of, like, his spiritual interaction, he was a Rasta. Right. So, when he came to live with us, so he was going to UNLV mm. and didn't want to live at UNLV no more. One of his close friends was a girl named Carmelita Sanchez. Y'all know Crum. You know mm-hmm. Carmelita, mm-hmm. Um, who's a legend. Um, she went to UNLV, too. So, Car- Carmelita's already working at Jive. So, she moved to L.A. And Bigger wanted to work in the music industry or get something. Mm-hmm. And she, he was working at State Farm doing insurance. When the nigga first came to live with us, he was working at State Farm doing insurance. Yeah. Hey. He bought all his fucking reggae records and was reggae crazy. He actually got, and I'm not saying this with no ego or nothing, but like because I was already, I was 15, 16, I was already super in. I started rapping at 11, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. you know, so I was super into hip-hop already and going to every club. I was going to every club from to, from Agora to fucking Compton. Compton Skateland, uh, fucking Black... Uh, Club no out and go anywhere we was doing some hip hop shit. I was there. Me and, yeah. my, me and my, my crew. So bigger when he came to live with us, we'd be like, "What the fuck? I'm coming with you. Where you going? I'm going to all these different hip hop clubs and shit like that." And because he was older, he started working at the Palace with um, Orlando. That's where he, that's where he met Orlando, his partner, right. who he started Unity with. So that's when he started actually doing clubs, like because he started to see like the the scene in L. A. Like because at the time the early '90s, man, motherfuckers was making money doing that shit, whether it be yeah, Paul Stewart bro. or like yeah. I don't know, Mike Messick, Mike Messick, all, all them niggas, I'm making huge. John Perry, all, all those guys were making money, huge bro. fucking yeah, money, right? Because it was a different money. landscape for music back money. then, oh, yeah. totally different, bro. Like and it, it wasn't the bottle culture Mickey, just yet, but you, all those people, money. But they was making money from literally like heads. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be three thousand motherfuckers. 
1,500 motherfuckers for $40, $20 a head. Yeah. Like, you do that shit two, three times a week, bro. You're this set. Is, yeah. right? And then you got 25% or 30% of bar shit like that. So bigger, he was older, you know, than me. So he was like, damn, he was seeing the opportunity. Like, man, these yeah. little kids is coming out here and shit. Yeah. And Bobby's like, man, <laughs> fuck that. I'm about to start <laughs> Unity. I'm about to start some shit. Yeah. So yeah. That's, it really came from him loving the music and shit like that. But he was older than me and like, and saw like, you know, are we spending money going out doing shit. He's like, man, fuck that. I'm about to do some yeah. shit and capitalize on this whole <laughs> shit. Right. So that's really like... So he, he was a little older, so he had some experience and was able to see the opportunities. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the reason why he was, I was on, because a lot of the people that were like the early crowd in Unity mm-hmm. was motherfuckers I was already dancing and rapping and shit like that with. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and he would make flyers and shit. He was like, nigga, I'm giving you 3,000 flyers. Right, you right, go right, pass right. the motherfuckers out. Right, get all right. them young motherfuckers now. And I be doing the same shit now with my nephews and shit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. What, what, was, what was the rap scene like for a 14-year-old or 15-year-old back then? Mm. What, what was going on for you, man? 1989, 88, 89, 90 in L.A. was crazy as fuck, right? Because L.A., we don't really... Our... our Hip-hop scene, you know, there's boom-bap hip-hop from New York, you yep. know what I'm saying? And, yep. the, 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 you know, it's, it's based off the traditional elements of hip-hop, breakdancing and shit like that. Yeah. But then, you know, there's the, un, the other element, Los Angeles is the gang element, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and because hip-hop comes from communities where gang shit was really prevalent, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was, lot, it was a lot to navigate, you feel what I'm saying? So, it yeah. was like, a hip-hop, if it wasn't for hip-hop, I might have got probably, you know, further involved on the gang side. Like, you know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for my ability to rap or having an outlet at some of those parties and shit like that I, I definitely would have been you know probably further ingrained on the gang side just because of my access to all that shit mm-hmm. and, and your charisma because eventually that charisma works its way into other places yeah, you know yeah. exactly yeah. you know what I'm saying I'd have yeah. <laughs> been an incredible criminal like not, <laughs> not but uh yeah it, you know it definitely helped me in that way and then having people like bigger you know what I'm saying that was older and helping me navigate that shit I mean I still did dumb shit still got involved in dumb shit but but I mean was there was, was did you see like an emerging young movement in hip hop at that time were you, you part see, of it I didn't see it as a movement then it yeah. was just, to me it was just exciting to be involved in a new form of music right it was just dope that my parents didn't understand it to me did like, they right. they didn't understand it at I mean, all no I mean, they didn't understand I mean my father was you know my father wasn't a square so right he understood like he you know he, when he lived in New York he, he taught me about speakeasies and people that used to play the dozens and shit like that right like, and he, you know, he used to talk and rhyme sometimes, just talking to his friends and shit like that, just on some slick shit, you right. know, on some pimping shit. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they didn't understand like the entire, I guess, subculture that was developing. What was there? Why you? Why you dressing like this? Why you spray painting the fucking garage, nigga? Like, why are you? What are you doing with the records? And you know, like, why? What is this shit? Like, you're fucking the records up. Like, right. You know what I mean, yeah. my pops was. I remember, you know, going to like record traders and shit when we first moved to the valley and shit like that when my pops would go buy needles you know when people first had like hi-fi places like right, come, right. high fidelity sound like right. speaker places and shit yeah. and the valley was full of that shit so my pops used to go buy like you know fucking needles and all that shit I remember he used to be he's always complaining like it's expensive as a motherfucker like your needles are expensive <laughs> yeah so I'm in there you know before it was no scratching but it, it wasn't it needed to be a, um, a semi-automatic driver or yeah. some shit like it that was, yeah. it was just a regular I was table. in there fucking this nigga's belt so <laughs> <laughs> breaking his shit up, the needles up, were breaking fuzzies and motherfuckers splitting half and shit he used to be like he used to be like god damn what is this just this fuck I gotta go into debt because you got a hobby motherfucker yeah. like <laughs> you know what you want you know what's amazing is that like that action that Chase did 
a lot of us that were involved in hip hop around that time, we were doing that. Yeah. Right. And it was just like because there was somebody thing. out there who had the turntable, and you're like, you're looking over in your living room, and you're like, oh. That's what dad, you, you, you just yeah. fuck it up. When dad's not home, you're just up there scratching and you're, you don't know what you're doing. You, right. think, you think it's the same turntable that they're using. You have no idea. Yeah. Now you're like, why this shit don't sound the same? <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that, I think that, that consciousness right there that was happening simultaneously to different people, yeah. that was evolution of hip hop yeah, in yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because yeah. it was a reintroduction. Well, if you think about it, if you think about it, it's actually the... Um, I was tripped because I was talking about this earlier. We were talking about the importance of music and why it's important. Because we are living in an electromagnetic field and yes. frequencies manipulate that sense of reality. That's why, you know, you... you Mantra. Know, you already know. <laughs> right. So, you know, so it's interesting that hip-hop is the, the, the bridge from what we call ancient programming into, mm-hmm. like... You know this new programming, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. like the drum and Native American. You know, the drum was meant to, the, the frequency of the drum and the way it's played is meant to resonate with you in a different way. Like, you, you know, you're supposed to either open you up or right. bring everybody in tune at once. You you repeat the the, the mantra or the chant at once, and everybody yeah. kind of has this collective energy. It's meant to elevate because you know that frequencies are responsible for either lowering your energy or heightening your, your, your energy, right? So we're talking about hip-hop. It's the time when, and particularly in New York, when people were being removed from instruments right. in the public schools. Right. So the, the actual physical playing an instrument was kind of take out of public schools. People are now trying to have some type of tactile connection to music. Like a fixate, like an oral fixation. We, now, now, we're, now we're trying, right, now we still, kids are still trying to have some type of, so that's what that was, that consciousness was, was that. It's yeah. us leaving the ancient, how many people do you know now that they can pick up a guitar and know how to, is there, you, you look right. at that nigga like a unicorn now. Right, right, right. right, right. The nigga right. come in the room and be like, <laughs> you be like, oh shit, you be like, you can play a motherfucker? Like, oh, you're yeah. Like, how old, first he asked him, how old are you? Yeah. Because you don't expect a motherfucker young to be able to Yeah, no, they're all playing Rock star now. Right. right. It's usually the older motherfucker, right? So the transition really was, you know, 70, I was born in 74. So the okay. transition that transition really comes around, you know, right yeah. around then, 70, 70s. The hip hop, yeah. the art form started, quote unquote, 77. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We give credit for 77. So around 74, you start to see the beginning, and it takes two years for anything to actually get into a cycle. So you start to see the beginning of that cycle, and people coming away from a tactile relationship with music or instruments right to where now you're going into and analog to a digital age to where now you got i don't know what year was the rose keyboard invented like so now you got rose and you got you got keyboards like now you got electronic keyboards and maybe it might have been before that but yeah. somewhere around, you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like electronic keyboards yeah, roger Troutman. electronic sounds electronic tones that are not taking over Native or ancient tones, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Right, it, which is which is man, synthetic, which is actually manipulating the magnetic field that's, that that your body, sure. like your frequencies. Is, is, so hip hop. Well, how do you hypnotize somebody? Right. You, well, you have a metronomic side sound that clicks back. And it's forth. based on a four-four time scale. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It sure. It's you, pro, you program beats? Oh yeah. It certainly what is. Do you, you hit, what's the click four, track? Four, every, every time. Yeah. Have you ever been hypnotized to 6'8? <laughs> <laughs> you ever been hypnotized to 6'8? I've been hypnotized to 6'9. <laughs> 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 I heard that. I'm saying is, charisma. No, what I'm saying is, when everything is based on a 4 4 time scale, 
Yeah. It's literally trans-inducing to him. We yeah. listen to hip-hop. It's the first thing. You, right. You don't, you don't like this shit until you go, yeah, I ain't really nod my head to that shit, though. You be yeah, like, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's yeah, all right. Yeah, don't make yeah, me yeah. do this, though. When it's crazy, you hear. Right. You're inducing a trans space on a 4-4 four, four time scale. For sure. And people are translating subliminal messages through your... your <laughs> Constantly, you feel right, what I'm saying? So right. that's what that there was the tra- that was the beginning of the transition from ancient programming into this heightened consciousness. Like hip hop really took motherfuckers to to where you can communicate with I can communicate I can communicate with all four of you motherfuckers right now. I can tell a whole sentence without actually saying actual words, and you know what I mean. Only because our collective experiences with them, yeah. you know, it's just crazy as fuck. Right. We we cut so much time like in between like. Uh, sound and language and so much shit mm-hmm. just with hip hop. It's not all good. Some of it is pretty fucking devilish and evil. <laughs> yeah, but, you know what? <laughs> when I listen to your music, actually, I notice that. Like, I notice that there's um, an aspect to your music that is raising consciousness and trying to explain, like, what the problem everybody, I mean, all communities really, are facing right now. And then at the same time, also acknowledging the realities out there on the street. Yeah. Right? Well, that comes from not wanting to be. Um, ever seem like you try to tell somebody something all the time like preaching you know like i can't i'm of course the shit i talk about i'm talking myself i'm not right, you know what i'm saying right. uh-huh. i'm it's i'm going through this shit man like I, my, people that know me know i didn't i done done some janky shit like you feel mm. what i'm saying so i my, i ain't no i don't know pedestal trying to tell it's really my observation based upon going through this shit like, right yeah, i don't i don't have no you know no i'm not more holy either or no ego when it comes to this shit so i talk about all of that shit because it's you know it's very real you know people need to know that you could you know wax poetic about some esoteric shit but at the same time nigga like I know how to keep a job (laughs) (laughs) and I know that you know I gotta pay bills every fucking 30 days or some shit like that you know what I mean but let me let's go on this because I taught I mean myself included like I'm super in terms of my my drive and my thought process is super progressive, probably more progressive than most progressives. I'm like, I'm ready to burn the shit down and let's just fucking whatever. Yeah. At the same time, I'm also, I'm also got a job. I'm a lawyer. Yeah, I'm like, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I got to fucking pay bills too. Yeah. So my question to you is for artists that are really trying to communicate something that is truly revolutionary against the establishment and yet have to pay bills, what's the balance? There is no balance. You're going to be conflicted all the time. Yeah. Capitalism is a bitch, man, you know? So, you know, and, you, and this is not a democracy. This is a, um, a capitalist republic. Right. So you could, you could not take place in a political process. You could not give up. You could get off the fucking grid. And, but mm. Guess what your ass got to do, though? Buy some water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or buy some motherfucking, I don't know, vitamin C. I don't know what the fuck. So right. at some point, you have to tap into if you're going to be here. I mean, and, it's, and from my experience, that's pretty much the world, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know nowhere you can go without, you know, having to rely on the, the construct of economics in order to advance your lifestyle. You know I mean, I think you said it all. For whatever, whatever I'm comfortable with, like... You know, we can talk about what America is and what the world is and all the shit that's against us and shit. But the truth is, like, food, clothing, shelter. This is, hey, you, <laughs> you know what? what? And, and these yeah, are all in order, in order to get food, clothing, shelter. You need there's a tool that helps you get there. Like, if I wanted to fix this couch, yeah. right? I need a screwdriver or you know whatever, this, a hammer. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the tool to fix the couch. The tool to get food, clothing, shelter is. And unfortunately, in the cap of this arena, you have to, you know, at some point, I don't know motherfuckers that will barter with you for 
resource. You Listen, see? I'll tell you something. I, I, I feel how much oil you got in your backyard. I give you these donuts. Like, nigga, you hey, donuts can buy a lot of shit. Shoes, and I'm gonna make you a fucking table. I but got you know some what? silk, my G. You know what, Chase? I was gonna say, you know, first of all, you said it all when you said capitalism's a bitch. That I think that pretty much sums it all up yeah. right there. But I'll you think you you're getting away, but you ain't getting nowhere, nigga. Because people are much smarter than us that try to get away. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Hey, but you know, I also think that's part of the reason why the establishment has tried to destroy tribal cultures. Yeah. Because American Thanks. Indians, you know, in these tribes, when before the government came and started, you know, changing things, m- every adult actually knew how to get clothes or how to get food or whatever from the earth. Ancient programming. Right. And then if you are like that, and it happened a lot, this is how other tribes formed, if American Indian was sitting there and he didn't like the way things were going, he'd be like, well, fuck it, I'm out of here. And he wasn't stuck because he could live off the land and start his own thing. And that was just going on and nobody was tripping. But if you're trying to run a capitalism system, you got to tie people to the system. So you got to take oh, away yeah. all those skills. Oh, yeah. Right? For sure. You can't, you and their resources. You and their resources. You, you can't. You can't. You want, they don't want, want 10,000 young uh, black indigenous kids learning how to kill a bison and make a coat off that motherfucker. No, no, if, there was niggas, if it was niggas out here like going to camp mm-hmm. teaching that shit, right? You shut them motherfuckers down. Like, what are you doing? This is... This is cruel. Yeah, right. Like they, they would make, they would go savage. something. They would this find some way to to dis, discount, make them you know, to to discount their whole effort and, and teaching people only because that's the truth. You don't want people to, you know, you have to. You don't have to, but that's it's it's very hard to escape in America. I find the people that I know, you know, it's and the reason why I put some of the comments in my music too is because I don't want to go crazy, bro. I don't want to be the motherfucker that's like, you know, all this shit, you're reading all this shit, but you know, you're talking to yourself in the corner and then like this mm-hmm. shit don't get no better, bro. Like, you right, still, John's we, conspiracy diagrams bro, on the we, wall. We still, you still have to walk. Like I said earlier, you still have to walk through this electromagnetic field that's every right. day, and it's mm-hmm. hard. Enough, it's hard enough dealing with all the different energies and vibrations you got to deal with. So if I give in, if I'm sitting here constantly thinking about all the manipulative dumbass shit these motherfuckers have done all the right. time. Bro, I spent years like that. Miguel, tell you, I, I, spent, I spent years like that. I'm just wanted upset and talking to everybody <laughs> and tripping. And Chase I'm, I'm, I'm in a club with a Quran, yeah. like, oh, like, you know, tripping, like, you know. I mean, everybody Damn, knows me. Like, Rama, yeah. What's that sound like, Rama? Yeah, yeah Rama, do you sure. remember that? Yeah. I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'll say this: like, it's interesting. You get real serious there, you know, bro. I love that. Everything changes. I was like, we're at the nightclub, dog. Easy, bro. Hey, man, I'm we gotta tell, fight I'm the not, power right now. I'm trying to tell you, if not about now, when? Like, like Africa, you shouldn't be eating that, sister. Yeah. Like, hey, we're, trying, we're, trying, we're trying to sell yeah. some coke, man. Go on. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm serving cocaine right now. What's wrong with you? In West Hollywood. West Hollywood. Well, this nigga bigger. First of all, let me tell you the story real quick. Let me tell you the story. So lucky. Lucky used to do all this, you know, you know, brother. He, you know, he used to do all the security for my cousin. Shit, man. So, so my cousin, you know, he, he did, he used to do the real hip hop shit, which is like some hard rock, mostly young black kids, Mexican kids, real, you know, fucking dickies and fucking forties and niggas yeah. didn't have no bar. Niggas bring their own fucking drinks and shit. Yeah. It was right. fucking right. Unity was a whole thing, man. Yeah, real yeah, hip hop yeah, yeah. shit. Smoke every heat. fucking where and he mad hot. Heat. So Club Heat, oh. Club Heat, mm-hmm. Bigger was like now. Oh. Now he's an executive, you know, got a lot of you know white, you know, clients and shit mm-hmm. like that. He's I'm trying to step it up mm. now, and now, and now, 
all, all these niggas are making hella bread now. All these right, yeah. Now, yeah. now you got Kingston Twelve and fucking all these, all these yeah. niggas making Mac, men, real, now. making yeah. real bread, right? So right. he's like, man, fuck that. I'm trying tired of doing this hip hop shit. Let me step my shit up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. I got a spot in Santa in, uh, on, on Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, Santa Monica. That's that's where on Santa Monica. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. Depending on if you on east or the west, this is different. Yeah, right. This exactly. nigga had a spot. Do you remember the old firehouse? This shit is on Santa Monica and Robertson. And Robertson, nigga. Yeah. In yeah. the heart, in the heart yeah. of the you already know. Yeah. Of the alternative community. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Dead it, smack in the center. I'm talking about in the center in where the you center. get banged West all Hollywood. over there. Like, who are you with? Man? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we, so we and it was do, a different world then. Yeah. A totally different world then. Yeah. So yeah. We're very, very more, much more secluded, like to where that was, you know, a place that, you know, if you weren't engaging in activities in that community, most people wouldn't. Would never even go You'd never even get out of your car. What the fuck are you going over there for, bro? Like, going on? So he did a club. Which is revolutionary if you think about it now. Yeah, Cause yeah. Because nobody yeah, was, was doing, because nobody was doing, was bringing niggas and Mexicans, bro, mm-hmm. to a club on Santa Monica and Robertson every yeah. fucking week. And when man. I tell you it was the most popping club, it was, yeah, most popping. Man. It it was, was the most popping. It was so many girls at Heat, bro. Uh, it used to get ridiculous, uh, bro. Like, and they felt safe because, because they were coming was, in West Hollywood. From West Hollywood. It Dude, was no problem. It was problems. perfect. Bro. No problems. It yeah, was the best shit yeah, ever. Yeah. That's actually where we had the most fun. Like Unity was great. But it was a little adolescent. We coming up and young and you know that's the that's the culture. That's yeah. the memories you have, right? Yeah. But yeah. Heat was like Okay, I can buy some drinks now. <laughs> I can buy some drinks, yeah. and these girls are getting drunk. Yeah, <laughs> look at that yeah, smile on Chase's yeah. face. Look at that oh, smile. It was, it was bro, like an adult look, shit. Look at his smile. Look at his smile. Look at his smile. Everybody that went there had that smile. Bro. There was trust so me. much. Trust trust me, I'm just bro. listening to it. I got smile. Once you got in past the front door, once you got into the place, there was so much shit going on inside those clubs. You couldn't even get in, Jumon. Like people were just outside. People will come. Wow. And they knew they couldn't get in, but yeah. they would just stay outside just to like smell or catch so a little bit of the virus. Bro, there was a little, there was a, there was an alleyway, and there was maybe what six parking spots. Remember in the alleyway? But Mike, you could just come. Mike Tyson would be parked in there. Yeah, just chilling like outside. No. Yeah, just chilling right. in his yeah. car. You'd yeah. be like, what? Or, or Mike chilling, chilling, <laughs> chilling, <laughs> chilling in air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like like everybody was there. Everybody was everybody. there. Anybody who was like a it, so like. At, at Unity, it was like a time where hip-hop was, like, developing, you know? Uh-huh. Bill was bringing, I, from my perspective, he was bringing a lot of East Coast hip-hop, Real hip-hop to the right. West Coast. Yes, sir. In the West Coast, you just had West Coast hip-hop, which was dope. You had Ice-T, you yeah. know, we had Proper Dose in Santa Monica, yeah. you know, we had Compton's Most Wanted. Yeah. We had people. Yeah. Shout out to Ernie G. Ernie G. Proper yep. Dose, right? Proper Dose. That, that, was, that was our hometown people right there. But... We didn't really know. I, I knew a little bit about it because when I got into hip hop, I got into it through breakdancing, you know. And they were playing New York City breaker music. Were you breakdancing? I was breakdancing as a kid, like in '85, '84, '85. I went to the Santa Monica Pier, and they were out there pop locking. Yeah, yeah. West pop Coast lock. pop lockers, and they were playing. But they were playing <clears throat> New York City breaker music. Right. And I was, th- I must have been like, I don't know. Eight, eight years old and I was like mom that's I want that music right there right and we were at the Santa Monica Pier and we went up to the promenade to the music box there yeah. was a little a little place there where they sell a cassette 
tapes in these big boxes and um like a boom box. Yeah. And um she got me a cassette tape with the New York City breakers. It had like, you know, the message was on there and like just some old school hip hop. So yeah. that's what that was my introduction to New York City. It came with the poster and inside was like a New York City breaker and it was a hundred photos and like it was just him doing this move. <laughs> But right. it was a hundred yeah. photos, yeah. you know, breaking like, down. Yeah, yeah. I was breaking yeah. it down, and I was like, and that was it. How and much I, practice did you do, Rama, trying to get that popping line? Bro, I was doing everything, and for me, immediately, I got into Roxanne Chante, yeah. the real Roxanne. I had the twelve-inch vinyl, yeah. I had the Fat Boys and Run yeah. DMC right. and things Fine, like that. Right. Boy, yeah, and then I started getting more. Remember intricate. that? Hell yeah. Then I got KRS-One. Yeah. And when I got KRS-One with the Boogie Down production stuff, and then with Love's Gonna Get You and all these things that were just coming, I was just hooked. I was like. That was hip-hop to me. Like, I wasn't even in... I, you know, I was into NWA and the things happening out here. But all of a sudden, this stuff was, like, the most amazing stuff. I was in NWA, but I, like, you know... I mean, shit, I knew a lot of brothers like Easy and... You know what I'm saying? Shit like that. So it was a little less appealing to me to hear it from that perspective, right? Yeah. As, like, coming up, getting into hip-hop because it was such an East Coast thing at first. We yeah. had... We, no, get, don't get me wrong. We had our version of hip-hop. Yeah. yeah. But our, our version of hip-hop early was... Comes from... Um, what the East Coast call freestyle music, what we call like techno hop, you know, mm. shit like clear and mm -hmm. uh, shit like that. Our version comes from like more like dance music, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So even Arabian w Prince, you know. right, right, Arabian Prince and um, uh, Egyptian Lover Egyptian. And, and shit that was on Makola Records you, mm -hmm. and, te and techno hop records back in the day. It's usually, usually we literally used to be called techno hop, like you know what I'm saying, like mm. for real. And, and back before it was like real hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because even in uh, Dr. Dre, NWA, all them, they did like a a dance music version of hip hop. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't based on, like James Brown and R and B shit. Right. It, it was based on like, it's like it's like you know Lisa Lisa and Cole Jam type shit. Yeah. Like, it all sounded like extra synthesizers and all that shit. So yeah. our hip hop doesn't really. It, it, it evolved in a different way. So yeah. I wanna. I, I, I wanna, always, I've always been a fan of East Coast hip hop to the point where. The homies, like, you know, the homies just always tease me, like, you know, you a fake East Coast nigga. Like, <laughs> you a yo, because I, I was always into, like, super East Coast hip hop. Backpack. Yeah. Backpack stuff. Super. Right? Not yeah. even backpack shit. It, it was before, backpack before shit. it was called backpack shit. It was just hip hop. It was just straight East Coast shit, though. It was, it was nothing. But you want to know something? When I think of backpack, I think, of like, at least LA, that whole backpack thing, it was really. I believe my perception is that that was spawned through clubs like Unity. Absolutely. You had kids coming from With like backpacks. Whittier. <laughs> like they, and they would yep. like come because Damn. they're going to sleep at their friend's house and right. they have all their shoes on. And, and, and they're coming to the club and yeah. they don't have a car. Real or they're in their friend's car, right? Real shit. And, and Real that's shit. why I would see people come from fucking 20 miles, 30 Everywhere. miles away, man. Right. And they have their backpack. And these are kids that are like... 16, 17, 18, you yep. know, and yes. they're not going back until Sunday night or Monday You're when they go out. Right. So right. we used to take our backpack. Yeah. And yeah. Unity yeah. wasn't like every week. It was like once a month, yeah. once every two months, and, mm -hmm. and, and there was no internet. So like you Listen, Everything was done by flyer, look, yeah. flyers and phone calls. Yeah, and you yeah. made sure that you were like on top of like who had the flyer for Unity. As soon as you heard the what Unity, like you knew you had to be there. That <laughs> shit's in three shit. weeks. <laughs> on Sunday night, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And it wasn't in these amazing places. You know, like remember I was, I was just telling Sean about hieroglyphics. Oh, hieroglyphics man. was so big that yeah. Bill had to pull their, it was their own night. When hieroglyphics came from, from, from the Bay, yeah. it was their own night because yeah. they just, there was so many people that came. And it was a, you know, the hieroglyphics crowd was a little different than the Hacienda crowd. It was. Hacienda, you had more like, it was a little bit more, 
You have more people, general. Yeah. When it was hieroglyphics, it was just backpackers almost yeah, so, coming. Yeah, well, you know, you know they're from Oakland, so they and they are, they spend a lot of time on uh, uh, what's the name of that fucking street? Telegraph. Telegraph. Up yeah, there, yeah. So People's whole, Park they, and all that. Their yeah. whole crew was mad, like hippies, yeah. real. Yeah, they, they was real, like yeah. you know, like ghetto hippies, like yeah. for real. Like, <laughs> so they, their crowd was their crowd was probably more the backpack shit than anything yeah, right. because you know those dudes was. Super, you know, the, the leftover from the influence of the hate Ashbury hippie shit. You yeah. Know what I'm and mixed with the Black Panther shit. That's kind of what made the whole hieroglyphics. And Club Unity well, was a haven for this. That's really what it was. Chase, when, when did you first drop your first music out there? Uh, 1996. Uh, and was it under Chase Infinite? Was your rap well, name, right? I've always been a group. I've, Chase Infinite has always been my rap name, but I've always been a group. The group's called Self Scientific. Right. So, you know, I'll be putting Self Scientific. Uh, me and Khalil been friends since eighth grade. We formed a group in high school. <clears throat> we started making music in college. So, I went to school in Atlanta, and Morris Brown and Khalil went to Morehouse. <laughs> and we lived together for a short time. So, we really started, when we started making music before then, but we started putting this shit out. Um, 96, I think we put out our first 12 inch um, in 1996. But we, at that time, we was a little older. So, we, We've always been independent, you know. We mm-hmm. we pressed up on our own shit, and you know. So, but it, me, Khalil, and our partner named Frank Correa, we actually had a a, a label called SOL Music Works, mm-hmm. a studio and shit like that. So we've been independent and pushing that shit, man, since probably 1996 when we started. Solar. Yep, Solar Panel, man. Mm-hmm. Son of Light. I used to be a part of a crew, um, called Son of Light, a Law's Reflection, or Solar Plan- Panel, which is you know a group that was you know. A collective of people from all around the nation. Actually, a lot of us went to school together: Boston, Atlanta, New York, LA. Mm-hmm. Like that. What was it like to press your first record? How crazy. did that feel? It was crazy. I mean, we um, we used to go get the lacquers cut on Hollywood Boulevard. I forget the name of the place, but we used to cut our lacquers on Hollywood Boulevard. We take the lacquers, go out to to Rainbow in Santa Monica. You know, and when they were out there, Pico. were they still there? Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they still Pico. there? They're not there no there's more. There's another right? record shop. Well, no, it's yeah. a gym now. Yeah, hey, uh, it was right by your gone. crib, though. Actually, yeah. it's right, right by your crib. Actually, yeah. like for so the people Pico. that don't know what lacquers are, what are lacquers? Lacquers are are acetates. Are um, so in order to duplicate, that's the thing that you duplicate the vinyl from. Yeah. So vinyl, when vinyl's made, like they they press. Um, the song or in, onto a uh, what they call a lacquer or, or an acetate because that's the actual material that it is, and so they press the that's what actually creates the grooves on the vinyl. That that master or that acetate is in ta- well, it's usually a test pressing actually. The master is the master is taken and sent to wherever you press vinyl and, yeah. and make the duplicates of the vinyl. Right. That the the lacquer is actually a test pressing, right? So you can see what the sound is like. In the mastering level, because they kind of they would kind of master it on this little machine, like for the to get the vinyl levels right. Yeah. And then and, um, they give you that, and then you can play the lacquer uh, or the acetate up to fifty times before it starts to lose sound quality. So when you listen to like, you know, when people Jamaicans or dancehall motherfuckers be like a dub plate. Yeah. Right? That's what it. That's what right. a dub plate is. It's a, and it's if a, you ever hold one, they're super heavy. They're heavy as fuck. Yeah. 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 They're heavy as fuck. They feel like six records. Right. Like, yeah. Together. They're like mm-hmm. six records mm-hmm. together. 
I love and, that. Uh, Who's yeah. that? Uh, she's just a woman in the neighborhood being obnoxious as fuck right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Listen, it's just, just just so uh, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds knows, like, uh, you know, Chase obviously is the unofficial mayor of this whole place. Like, I am not. It's the, every the time, unofficial and, mayor of this place is six said. I'm just a person, like, I can't say I'm the mayor. I'm, 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 I'm like, saying I'm like a councilman. All right. <laughs> City council, because as we City council. So, yeah. So, as we're sitting here, Chase is talking, you know, and he's like, yeah. hey, you know, and it's a lacquer and it's heavier than a ri- <laughs> Record, the record, and then people will come up through the windows and knock, even though they see all these cool microphones. And shit, they don't and, fuck. Yeah, they just knock and they people also in the community. What's up? And they need yeah. the glance. Like they're not gonna go away until Chase Looks acknowledges them. Right. Right. Like, a little wave, up, little, a little smile. Little yeah, there was one nod. person I thought they were gonna get a bruise on the knuckle because he wasn't there. Yeah, they broke like, their hey. finger over. Yeah, they're like, hey, look at it. And finally, look, he's like, okay, cool, I'm out. Man, Chase, and and. Let me ask you, uh, what's Khalil doing now? Khalil has fucking five Grammys, has done fucking... <laughs> oh, fuck. Khalil became like, you know, we were independent artists. I, yeah. I was, became an executive and probably had more success as an executive in the music industry. Mm. Khalil became like a really sought-after producer, man. He started. He's produced for Nas, Jay-Z, Eminem. Uh, fucking 50 Cent. Anybody, anybody you kind of think of as a top tier hip hop artist, Khalil, yeah. he became one of the go to, like, you know, producers over the last 15 years. What happened was in 2001, <coughs> he worked with an artist named Brooklyn that was signed to Dr. Dre, this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did like four songs on her shit. Dre led a production so much, he signed Khalil to a production deal. So Khalil had signed to a production deal with Aftermath and had been over there for fucking, you know, he's, he's been had a relationship with Dre now for, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And, and he started to do, that's how I started to do a lot of Eminem shit and 50 Cent shit. And so he became like a, you know, a, an in-house producer for a, for a long time when Mike Lynn was at, but at, at Aftermath. He was an in-house producer for Dre, like designing sounds and shit like that. So, um, you know, that one, what's the name of it? The, 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 the chronic song, whatever, with Eminem and Dre, like, he produced that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's done so What's many. What's the difference? What's the oh, difference? Not that. I forget. Forgot about Dre? No, no. It's the moment he came back. It was a year. It, it was the, oh, yeah. Where he's about to light the vice house on fire. Oh, yeah. Some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's done so much shit. Bro. Like this a point, comedy skit. He, he, he's yeah. one, he's, one, he's <laughs> one of the biggest, you know. He became a great, huge producer. And he's just one of the best people, man, like, that you ever meet, man. I tell people all the time, like, me and Khalil are polar opposites you know he's a fucking angel there's a boy the boy in the bubble man <laughs> what, what so from your um what's your writing process when you write um i read a lot so it takes me a, a long time it takes me a while to write i edit a lot yeah and yeah. do you listen to a beat when you write or do you write without the beat first um, or does my, it depend in the early part of my when i first started writing i used to write to no beat all the time because i wrote way more yeah. Now I kind of got to be like, you know, I kind of get it. I had to have a nudge from a beat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, right. every now and then I write some lyrics like, oh, shit, that was a dope line. But I won't know no cadence or nothing. So I won't get excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I, mm-hmm. hit, when I hit a beat, though, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the cadence excites me. How the cadence sounds to the, to the beat is what excites me. Now, I, I don't want you to I really want you to be honest and not be political. Is there a beat? For you, that's like one of the sickest beats, but it was wasted by a weak ass rap. <laughs> Where you're like, man, that beat's so oh, good. Fuck. We, we argue about this all the time. I'm not gonna say a weak ass rap. It's just the level of beats were so incredible. Like we hip hop nerds, right? Like, yeah. So we sit around and talk about hip hop all the time. But right. Group home, yeah, um, is one. It's probably 
the, the greatest, one of the greatest instrumental albums ever. You know, um, um, produced by DJ Premier, the entire album. Superstar was a single that people really know, right? The entire album was, bruh. Can I play a little bit of that? The album is incredible, but at the time, when you talk about the year that came out and where lyrically, where people were going at the time, like, you were just kind of underwhelmed by, don't get me wrong, I love Dap's voice, his demeanor, and and Malachi, like, it's classic. But at the time, I I just remember being like, God damn, you mean to tell me (laughs) he gave all these fucking beats, (laughs) these incredible (laughs) ass fucking beats? So that's probably like the biggest example to me where I was like, it just never mattered. And then, crazy is recently, I found out that DJ Premier wrote all the lyrics. So I had, had, now I got even more, I was like, that's actually dope as fuck. But but it made sense why I wasn't, but it made sense why I wasn't, you know, I'm listening to you hearing Guru and shit over over Premier. Then I'm hearing here Malachi Dab, which was dope as fuck, but I was like, wait, hold on, this shit don't it just these beats is crazy. I need to hear J Root of Damage and somebody going crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was just like I used to scream and shout, living in a ghetto, trying to get the hell out. Chases for the listener, yeah. Chases uh, dancing a little bit. He can't stop his body from moving. You could tell he's listening to this is in his DNA. You can see, you see that. What I'm saying it's like it's not whack. It's just the simplicity of the lyrics had me going like. At the time, I was some I was on some lyrical miracle shit. I wanted to hear more. I wanted to yeah. hear more. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a different question then. Hmm. What about to you? Is there a like a song that is the perfect blend of raps? That's not yours. Obviously, yours are perfect. OC times up. OC times up. Sean, what do you think about that? I don't know. Thank you for that You're insight, hey, my you friend. You're talking to a hip hop savant, though. We, we could do this all day. Savant, all day. <laughs> a savant. Yeah, we could do this shit all day. I mean, we that's fine. I'm, I'm give you, I can give you abstract examples. OC times up. All right, here we go. That's not it. I don't know what you're playing. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Lucky was beating somebody ass in Unity when this shit came on Project <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I say? You know what I said, motherfucker? Back up. Dude, what, you didn't hear me? Have you ever seen Steve's face when oh he gets God. that serious look? Hell yeah. yeah it's fucking frightening. Hell yeah. It's fucking frightening. Ooh, what's the rules on podcast? You gotta talk over the shit. Oh, this shit is crazy. Yeah. Men of rules and vitamins. Eyes in the nice and fuck who that I offend. Rappers are back about to begin. Woo! OC was crazy. Uh, many things that I still did or heard about are told firsthand. Never word of mouth. Who would you wish to be remainder when the missile the same to blow you out of your frame? They told you about killer instinct. The going so up, cracking your head with a four by four. Simple but complex. So there's a big difference. It's not simple though. It's not. Are you it's listening? <laughs> But it's just like, it's, it's just like, I feel I'm stoned. Uh, not because I'm from my cap cop. And put into it, the harder I rock. Those who pose lyrical, but really ain't true, I feel. Hey, man. Only uh, on the Ooh. hard luck show. The cadence, the delivery, only on the, the feeling. Hard, only on the hard luck show mm. will we be able to sit here and jam with savant. a legend, oh, yeah. with a savant. Savant. Right? Oh, yeah. You ain't going to get this on no fucking oh, Joe no, Rogan no, bullshit. We're going to break down why that shit is amazing. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shit. Yeah. OC was, man, that song is crazy. And it's one of those isolated incidents, too. Like He's got a great album called Word Life, but it's not like, you know, 
if he'd have had a body of work consistently as good as that song, yeah, it wouldn't even be close. Mm. Like people would be like, OC's the illest. <laughs> like, period. Right. You know, for me, Chase is Chase is one of the illest MCs ever. Oh, right. ever, right. ever. Yeah, you know what? You say that ever. a lot. I say, yeah. You've I been say saying everybody. that forever. Yeah. Dude. People yeah. ask me, who's your favorite MC? And uh-huh. I usually say, have you heard of Chase Symphony? Yeah. And people are like, ah. that just makes him sound deep. Like, oh, nah, yeah. He's like, self science. And then yeah, like, then he starts talking about abstract. He's like, no, you could no, be abstract all day. I'll tell you right now. No, it's true. But you got but, Chase Infinite underoos. <laughs> Chase, Chase, let me tell you about Chase. So, your favorite MC? Yeah. He he listens yeah, to yeah, Chase yeah, Infinite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, that that's who Chase is okay. in the hip hop world. Right. Your favorite MC. Listens to Chase. I Infinity. wish that meant money. I swear to God. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. You feel me, Lucky? Yeah, <laughs> bro. I hear you on that shit, dog. Well, uh, let me ask you then, Chase. For every cool point I have, I wish that translated into like a money point. For every yeah. time yeah. somebody called you big homie, like big homie, like you should damn. <laughs> <laughs> give me one dollar. Don't worry. The game's still real. Nah, 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 you know, you're I'm still not, in the game right now. Now listen, I got, I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. <laughs> He's a super fan for sure. Oh, that's my brother. Yeah. That's 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 not no, that's no, I'm a fan of him. That's oh, that's, that's brother, big. Man. When that's I brother. when I met Chase, my brother, man. he played me. He said, "You listen to hip hop?" I said, "Yeah." I also asked he you, put did you, the tape I also in. asked you, "Did you smoke weed?" He said, <laughs> <laughs> he said "You listen to hip hop?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "You smoke weed?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, he goes yeah, oh. I, "I do a little coke <laughs> and a drink too." <laughs> he, goes, oh, he pops in his he pops in the tape in this in this little cassette deck. Yeah, pops in the tape. And he rolls a blunt, and for one hour we're just doing this. Yeah, we're in, we're in a trance for right? one yeah. hour. We're hitting the One hour, yeah. and at the end of it, I'm like, "Who the fuck is that, bro?" And he's like, "Oh, that's me." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What?" I, I I remember I stood up. I was like, "That's you." Yeah. And I was like, "What the fuck?" And for me, it was like there was a superstar in the room with me. And I, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why, why aren't you out there? Like, you know, are you doing it here with me? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But that, right. that's who chases is yep. fire just all the way through all, all that stuff. And, so, and humility. Yes, sir. And humility. Right. Because Chase always had fire. And, Chase said, yes, sir. Mad yeah. humble. Yes, sir. Mad humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, so Chase, from your perspective, having so much time, and like you said, you have some experience as, as, as an executive, you've been around a lot of different artists, you're an artist yourself. Mm-hmm. What is the mistake that most artists make that winds up not getting them paid? Like, how does this happen? Because it's not, uh, oh, it's a common story. Hey, that's pretty simple, man. It's spending the money. Spending the money. Yeah. Not what, saving. Yeah. That's what, you know, spending the money and not investing it or not saving it. Have That's, you ever tried to talk to a young artist? Hell yeah. And how well do they listen? When some, she, some, some are receptive, some of them aren't. Right. And you're like, you got to save your money. Some of them are just not receptive, period. You know, because it's like, you know, it's like your dad used always tell you, you know, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. yeah. So, I was just talking about that comment with somebody the other day. So how many it's, things, the mo- it's the truest comment ever, yeah, isn't it? Bro. How many times, how many things your son come to you now and be like, damn, pops, damn, bro, he was right, my nigga, like, I should just listen to you, like, it's the same shit all the time, so I get it, I didn't listen to what motherfuckers were trying to tell me, every now and then, maybe, you know what I'm saying, but I, that's the part of being young, you think like, Shut your old ass up. I'm faster. I'm going to go around, nigga. Right. Duh. You like, haven't seen my moves. <laughs> you haven't seen my moves yet. Yeah. Hey, listen, man. By, you know, I'm, I'm older than Chasen. Yes, sir. By watching <laughs> this gentleman um, come up as, like, you know, basically a young kid, you know, in the game. Yeah. And, yeah. and then watch him navigate through uh, music industry. And... Yeah. and uh, other businesses as well. I right. watch this dude go through some apparel <laughs> shit and retail <laughs> shit, and he's created things. And you know, this is just a brain. This 
First off, Haroon Coffee is just not a coffee shop. This yeah. is like a brainchild of his, yeah. okay? Yeah. Which yeah. has a lot of different tentacles. But you got to remember, dude, listen. You're listening to this show right now, okay? So some of you people know uh, Chase. Some of you don't. But if you live in Los Angeles and you know about the street culture, music culture, hip-hop culture in Los Angeles, Yeah. then you're kind of, you, you already know probably who Chase is and who he runs with, and so you're looking at this guy, and it's like, you may not be able to put together the pieces exactly. Like, okay, how is Chase, how is Chase was so involved in the whole ASAP, from right. Ferg to Rocky to right. Yams, rest in peace, like, how... Where does he play in that? Because whatever those guys were doing and moving in yeah. a lot of areas, yeah. Chase had his hand in it. Okay, so that's that's that time and that artist and still hands involved. Stuff. But then you like you catch up with Chase now, and you're like different things with okay, ah, Jay Z, and there's something going on there. <laughs> and then um, you know I'm I'm up on like these. These Buffalo kids, you know, right. fucking West Side so, Gun, Griselda so, Records, and yeah. the, you know Conway, and ah, Chase is in the mix with these dudes, with which these I dudes think is <laughs> the biggest underground hip hop, yes, kind of like rebirth, they like get gangster East Coast crack music, you know, whatever. You, these dudes are coming in like like a lot of the shit they're about. I'm like, I've been missing it. Absolutely. Like it's like it's like Mozzie. I yeah. love Mozzie because Mozzie's right. bringing back like. Real that gangster, gangster shit, shit, you know? Yeah. And yeah. these dudes are bringing it back. From, so, um, but yet again. And, and Chase is not some, like, gangster dude. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But yet, Unless he's, he needs to be. Yeah, he doesn't need to be. He knows well. <laughs> but his hands are making these moves. He understands these worlds. And, like, how you... I could see you locking down L.A. Yeah. From here, that they operate. But how you can have the reach of, like... These legitimate cats in, all in the on the East coast. eastern coast dude, mm-hmm. coming over here to fuck you, and you know so. And now, what I forgot to even talk about was like this dude isn't just a friend. This guy was part of a of a of a really tight, small knit community of businessmen, primarily people in the music industry, but businessmen. Uh, Based out of Los Angeles primarily, but also float around the East Coast, which is soul assassins, mm. you know, which is people like the Alchemist. DJ Muggs started the whole thing. He's, right. a, uh, you know, a shout out to DJ Muggs. And man. that's, you know, and Muggs is, that's my big brother. And it's one of the only people that I can even consider a mentor in terms of like, you know, and when you talk about a lot of what I know or what I tell artists about how to not lose their money yeah mm-hmm. he was lucky to tell you yeah. bro, that's the <laughs> he, he, that's a sharp sharp that's a dude, sharp man. motherfucker man yeah, so bro. I, you know a lot of that I, I literally be reiterating things that Muggs has told me over years and so. Muggs and Muggs is one of these guys that not only is he able to operate at that level this dude, I mean, I can't tell you how many times the mug like brought him into the hood or oh, we had yeah. shows and was like, yeah, yeah. like he, he's in the, he's, he's oh, got that. No, and he's he, listen, man, he's held it and at times had to hold the weight. Oh, yeah. I mean, him and him. And, so at times, dude, it was really just like him and Dre were like these two that's producers well, out of L.A. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting you say that. So because Dre kind of took to Khalil, right? But nobody ever really took to Self Scientific. The only person that really ever endorsed Self Scientific mm-hmm. was 
DJ Mugs and yeah. Be Real. You know what I'm saying? Be Real came yeah. in unity, saw us, you know, gave us a lot yeah. of respect. Mugs, you know, always was, had a great relationship with Bigger. So Mugs actually, Mugs was the, and Soul Assassins, we were an underground group, had a lot of respect and from a unity crowd and shit like that. But the person that legitimized us, like in the industry, the other motherfuckers, mm-hmm. when, when Mugs put his, on. He, when he put his stamp on us, like, no, nah, we fuck with them. Because it's only Dre and Mugs. And, you know, Soul Assassins and Dre, they have like, multi-platinum acts over and over and over again or, or, or had that much of a leverage you know from, from the west coast and Dre just you know he didn't see it that way I think our shit was maybe a little bit too rooted in some positive shit until, yeah, we, got, right. until we got older and he really fucked with Khalil of course but then Mug saw something in it though like you know what I mean something totally different and he since 1996 he really fucked with us and like put us on the Soul Assassin albums and really had us around so yeah, man. He's, I, I always got hell of respect for that brother, and and, and refer to him as a mentor in this shit because he taught me so much. Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, um, I, I just remember a lot of different things going on with Soul Assassins. It might be music, it might be a clothing store, it might be this, it might be that. And I remember there was a there was, you know, we would come together and uh, have to wear a lot of different hats. Right, you know, to help out with this crew. Right, hey, we need this. Hey, can you get this? And it was like a collective, man. And Chase was was right there in the mix. I mean, most of the time when I so- go over to Mugs' studio, Chase would be there all the time oh yeah chase, chase is so in constant. the mix he just took a business call right about now he had to pull he had a no that was my t- mom oh was that when you agree we all had to wear like a lot of hats we'd come together to come make on. something happen you and, to. hey you got to get that hey do you got to hook up for this hey i'm gonna bring that hey, and it was like uh so all these different camps and to remain this is a small town bro yeah like i tell motherfuckers you know what you don't care if you don't care you want to question who i am like run run my name through the industry right with, with right. outside of the fact right. that i've shot myself in the foot yeah. and dropped the ball with some major shit once i blew it up yeah, yeah, right yeah i did the demise to me and mine you know what i'm saying yes sure. that's okay but did i didn't go burn motherfuckers i didn't go do oh, steal no. i didn't get that anyway. that's not my case in this and i know to for to remain and be able to have integrity to walk anywhere and models are like wherever you go yeah. and, and, and people don't have anything bad to say about you they're like that's legit. that's what he has and to be able to bounce around that. in like the, the ASAPs and with the Griseldas and deep still the soul assassin like mm, I'll right. call this dude and I won't talk to him for a year yeah. I'll call him and be like hey bro da, 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 or whatever yeah. just with, and he's like what's up I want you to come by or it's like I've called him for contacts or whatever I, call I don't him for care like, I don't give for like, what it's for you call mm-hmm. me for anything you a soul assassin I'm, yeah. I, I'm obligated yes. yeah yeah, me too, dog. Like, right, me too. I don't look at it like a. I don't give a fuck what it is. I, so. and, and I could be anybody that I've met, to, and you know, it's my brothers, man. Yeah, and man. beyond that, it also formed bonds in the in the Mexican community or the Brown with, with yeah. people, of, you know, that ordinarily, you know, just wouldn't have been. It been too many times, man. I've been the only black person, one or one or two, three black people around, in and in the middle of some real tension. You know, what yeah. I'm saying? And like my experiences. We know, so it, that shit just goes beyond saying, man. Like, I got a lot of favor, and there's a lot of places. I, I'm not saying this with no degree ego, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of places I can go that a sure. lot of brothers can't go. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. of because of the, the the, it's different. Like every hood got a nigga named every Mexican hood got a nigga named Choco. Mm-hmm. 
In every black hood, in every black hood, got a nigga named or Taco, or it's a nigga named they call or a nigga named you know what I'm saying, Tacos from from the Mexican homie from the Swans or something. You got a little Taco or something. It's always that. So. People like they like to divide our community in the media and shit like that, but mm-hmm. like, and it's true, there's a lot of division. But I, the favor that I've received, you know, is because of so much time that I spent in in real communities, like really knowing motherfuckers. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a difference, though, too. People got a different respect for you once you actually begin begin to have respect for the nuances of other cultures. That's a hundred percent. You better be. You absolutely were like that, though, Chase. Yeah. Yeah, Chase, you, you would spend time and kick it, dude, yeah, and yeah. you weren't in no hurry no. to like, and, and then there was no ever any commentary like I'm the only brother here, no, like never. just happy to be like in the mix, dude. Right. And that was just that was what was going on around you, and you were just there present of it, man. Just looked a little different, but yeah, yeah man, it's uh, it's it, man, dude. I've known this guy a long time. He's right. seen me in some. Some good places and some bad places, and uh, oh but yeah, your always, stories are crazy. He, your stories, but even we bump into each other or whatever, bro. It's like, man, yeah, I dude, know y'all don't so get into this dude's real story. Oh, we do. No, no, no we, we do. try we do. to. Absolutely. I mean, what I'm trying to tell you is, we had to build a whole podcast around Wait, it because there's so much. Has Frank and Termite ever been on the show? What? Frank DeMarco's on it every almost every Lepke? week. Lepke? Big Lepke? He's an honorary member. Oh, you're oh, talking Cisco. about no, you're talking about, talking Cisco. about Cisco. Cisco and Frankie, yeah, Frankie yeah. and T-Mike. No, bro. They're they're Does busy right on? now, but I get them on. I get them on. Yeah, no, we have a lot get of them. Get them niggas on yeah, and talk about this story. Yeah, yeah, Some man shit you can't talk true. about. <laughs> 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 no, hey, Chase, to your big point. Shout Chase, out, Chase. Big shout out to fucking Cisco. Cisco, what's up, my nigga? Chase and Arturo. To your point, there's many times that we have big Lux friends on or whatever and then the conversation all of a sudden gets real generic it was like well you know something happened over there which oh, was like the, <laughs> oh, yeah, no details it's a lot of humming and humming well, yeah. you know, then the chase chase you know we had to and then you know and that thing chase do you have a story a particular story about lucky that you not no crazy no no did chase did chase ever meet Polly b of course yeah you got a good Polly b story you got a good Polly. I don't know if I got no good, but I mean, no, I can't, I can't, I can't tell the Polly B stories. Because right? we, we got some good Polly B stories. Yeah, well, just put it this way. I've never seen so much cough syrup. <laughs> that's it. You see? That's all, that's all, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. I'm a, shout out my nigga Skinhead Rob. Too. Yeah, we had Skinhead Rob on the show. That's my brother. Yeah, I yeah live, he's me, cool. Me and Skinhead Rob lived together. Well, let me tell you this. Skinhead Rob, when he was, you know, really doing his thing. He, uh, we lived together for about a year, but his his idea of living together was he had a Tumi bag that I still got. It was a Tumi, a big ass Tumi bag. Yeah, this nigga had about. 400 white and black tees. <laughs> oh, yeah? And, and, and that shit folded. I mean, I'm talking about folded like a damn nigga. Like he was yeah. fresh out the pen. And it's just folded <laughs> in a Tumi bag. And he had that shit in my closet. And the only reason I knew it was in it, because after a year, I had to open I was like, Rob, what's in here, bro? Because you know, Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob was moving around so much. That it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was doing so much shit that he just had a bag. Like, the nigga paid me every month. Yeah. I think I was paying, I was wow. like, 1400 just right here. <laughs> Rob lived right here on 4104 Creek, nigga, in Lamert Park. People don't know about it, just can't have Rob, but that's the most fearless nigga ever. Yeah. This nigga, he moved in with me, bro. He gave me, he, but he didn't move in. He never stayed there. He stayed one night there. <laughs> he, kept, he kept the bag there and just sent me to half the rent every right. month. He just wanted to know. He just wanted to know. 
like, no, if you had a place, you. if it got like that, I got a place yeah. in the bird park. If yeah. I need right. it, I got a place. He's thinking that there's like 20 birds in that bag the whole time. I just keep the bird there in the bag. I don't touch the bag. That's what I was thinking. I should be like, I should be like, I'm not touching that motherfucker. Just make sure the bag's there. That's it. Just make sure it's there. So the only, only reason I got to know what it was, I had to go on tour. I was like, bro, I need to use that bag. You think I, he was like, oh, it's just T-shirts. I was like, nigga, I'm thinking it's Because yeah. he came on it. I'm thinking it's all type of shit because he was doing so much shit. Then. That's what I'm saying. Like when it comes yeah. to certain shit, like, man, it's like because experiences like that, this man yeah. paid half my rent for a year and I didn't ask him to or nothing. He never, he, he kept the bag there. Yeah. How could I ever tell anybody from source? Anybody from source hasn't called me, niggas. Like, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, I'm explain <laughs> to the listeners and, and people, how is it that you, you know, what, it, what, it, what's going on with how you end up working with, with Exactly. Yeah. How does all that okay, come Okay. So, I moved, I've been going back and forth to New York for a while, you know, being so fascinated with hip-hop. Of course, I was fascinated with New York. I used to lie to motherfuckers tell me I was from New York because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I love this shit so much. But mm-hmm. um, So I started going back and forth to New York. When I went to college in Atlanta. I spent a lot of time in New York. You know, I lived there in Brooklyn for a little while and shit like that. So I got a lot of, you know, Contacts and people Sort of like You know how Muggs You know Muggs mm-hmm. From Queens But grew up yeah, out here dog, yeah, He yeah, know yeah, everybody yeah. In New York But didn't know All the gangsters He'd be like How does this nigga Know everybody right, So right, right, same right. same Similar arc of Development Like I You know I'm from here Born and raised here Born in Inglewood So you know and my, and my father My parents got A lot of family Around here You know my whole family Live right in this neighborhood mm-hmm. So Getting to like Going to the East Coast It was based on my love For hip hop But I started going there First when people Were really going to D&D And shit like that So Gangstar And a lot of those The foundation of like The 90s Hardcore hip hop scene Those are the people That I met So those are the people That became like My network of motherfuckers To deal with Those people went on To be motherfuckers Who started Frank 151s And all all these different shit So people that were Doing a lot in New York Were people that I knew Since the early 90s You know what I'm saying Since a long time ago And so when they started Doing agency work And shit like that I always felt a necessity or a need to kind of go out there. You know, first with my love for hip hop, but secondly, it was other opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Shit starts slowing down a little bit out here. So, uh, how the ASAP Rocky thing happened was <clears throat> I had moved to New York in 2006. Um, the mother of my child, uh, my daughter, and I broke up. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak. I went through some real heartbreak, fucked up shit. Nigga was fucking just heartbroken. Was living over with my brother here in the Merc. And um, decided I need to just have a change of environment. You know, I'm just fucking smoking way too much weed. I'm living off trail mix. <laughs> I'm like, I let, <laughs> I let my fucking car just go to shit. Like, everybody. Right. And I remember Muggs, <clears throat> who I have a great deal of respect for. He's like, he just had a real conversation. He's like, Holmes, <laughs> we're not going to be doing this, bro. We're not going to be having you. I think all the time I owed him like 1800 I borrowed money from him. It's like, mm-hmm. one of them, you know how that shit get lucky. When, yeah, the, homie, man. when the homie get yeah. low and every, 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 every yeah. hole you try to hit, niggas like, not again, bro. Like, yeah, come on, my yeah, nigga. So bro. it was like, like, you know, I got to that point. And luckily, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I love my brothers, because they never turned my back. He just basically was like, fuck out of here. Like, gave me a, sh- you know, yeah. like, 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 what are you doing? You better than this. Like, we got way too much respect for you for you to yeah. be out here. So I remember that conversation. And I was like, man, let me get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm making myself look crazy. That, that, mm. that the dude shining in the coops, uh, uh, what he described earlier was yeah. a nigga like, no, nah, I'm on a bike. I'm fucked up. I'm getting fat <laughs> as a motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My cousin, nigga, be dead. I'm tripping. I'm like, man, damn, ain't none of that shit popping. So when people see me, they're like, you good? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, yeah, what's not yeah. the chase we know? So, That's a tough question. And, yeah, and and I wasn't. And I was getting to a point where I wasn't good, so I needed to get out. You know what I'm saying? I, I moved to Oakland. My brother 
got a chicken waffles up north. Oh. I went up there to, to help him to build a bar, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. just really get my mind off shit, kind of not, not be surrounded with this everyday shit or having people remind me that I'm not shining no fucking more. You know what I'm right. saying? So, so I went up to Oakland to help him build a bar and shit, build a bar. And uh, I was doing sales for Red Monkey and um, Prohibit Jeans. Mm. And it was a sales job. I, I met my boy Damian Green, who owned um, Lounge in Toronto. He owned a fucking uh, um, a streetwear store in Toronto mm. back in the day. <clears throat> um, he owns Community 54 now in New York and in Toronto. But back in the day, he owned a spot called Lounge. I used to go up there all the time. He hooked me up with, um, oh, fuck, what's I say? The sales job at oh, the, the retail job. apparel. He, 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 I mean, the sales job with um, Prohibit. Right, okay. so he was he was working. He had just moved to New York. He worked with this guy named Steve Schneider, who had a sales uh, sales um, a showroom, and he was doing uh, Levi's Big and Tall, Red Monkey, uh-huh. and Prohibit. I'm looking at I'm looking at Lucky when I say this, only because Lucky, you know, we've been in the garbage industry for right. real, so right. he know right. Right. he know exactly yeah, what I'm saying. I, I think he probably knows Steve. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. yeah. So he had a, absolutely. Yeah, so he he had this um, showroom, and then uh, so Damien got me a job, you know, because I was like, man, I'm down and out, blah 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 blah. I was where you working in the music industry, because you know, music industry had changed, everything had gotten so technical and shit like that. I really didn't have like the computer shit. You know, I was a street team dude, marketing dude, right, shit like right, that. So, right, right, right. So when it shit Trans- trans over, yeah, I, I, had, I had bro, I hadn't really learned all this SEO mm-hmm. and shit, all this shit, niggas. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, all this shit's going on. Like, I don't. <laughs> right. So then I, so I can't, right. so I can't get my seven thousand, hundred thousand dollar year. I'm no more right, right, going man. to this little nigga new media some shit. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this shit? Same shit you went through, bro. Right. Same shit. Yeah. So I'm trying uh, to figure this shit out. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go to New York, man. I figured that my my skills that I had though in the music industry was actually applicable in this fashion shit. You yeah. know, we go to we go to the magic every motherfucking. I've been magic yeah. twenty years. How many times? times you've been in magic, nigga? Like, twenty times at least. Before, yeah, bro. Before niggas even want to go down there, we go yep. down there. But in the beginning, because I because I worked in the music industry, and you too probably because you knew Cypress and all. And people always be like, "Yo, man, you think you get me a?" Help me get Red Man. Help me get Cypress. Or help me get uh, somebody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, it course. started with Echo at the beach. You know when they because Echo would always have rappers right. and shit like that. They had their own little section in the in, in the in the parking lot outside across the street. Yeah, remember? Right. Yeah, they had the beach yeah. and shit. And then you know so all these and then Fat Farm and all these brands start breaking. So it became like labels. It was like okay. By the time I remember the year they announced. I forget what year. Year was two thousand something, and Morris Malone and all, Morris Malone and Fat Farm, all this shit it was like eight hundred sixty million dollar market. Right. Oh yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. some shit like RP that. RP five five, all, all that, that shit was going nuts. It yeah. was like so. I started applying. I was like, okay. When I stopped, had my lost my little advantage, I was like, let me apply all this shit to the music industry because I had all these contacts from all from RP fifty five and sure, Indigo sure. Red and all these yeah, fucking, Azure, Azure, all these fucking brands that wanted so, but they they relied on the energy from hip hop shit, so they need the same type of shit I was mm-hmm. doing for hip hop motherfuckers for their clothes. Right. So I started doing that shit. You know, working all these different fucking moving the pieces, moving, moving the pieces. pieces. You know, the people give me gear. I give them a seating list of fifty people. They send some fucking pictures back. Or you want to do an event? Cool, let's do this event. I remember we did. I did fucking uh, troubadour with the with Skechers and all these different people. Skechers <laughs> mm-hmm. through first trying to blow. Right, I was right, doing so right. much like when I couldn't get money in the music industry. I for sure had a fucking clothing line. Somebody that was gonna pay me two, three thousand dollars a month to be, you know. To get to for a street team account, right. you know, if you get two or three dollars, you can whatever, you good. You're doing you know all right, right, right. You're doing all right. So that's what I was doing, and um, Damien 
he was working at the, the showroom, was doing sales. He was like, bro, come out to Magic and work with us. It was 2007. Oh. He's like, come out to Magic and work with us. Just work the booth. Dude, so I never, I never really worked the booth for sales. That was always a lot to me. I was like, man. I'll be trying to fuck bitches. I'm trying, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to come out to motherfucking Vegas, yeah, nigga. Dude, yeah, right, Twelve right, right. days on the floor, you slanging shit. Yeah, that shit yeah, never yeah, looked yeah, cool. Yeah, that yeah, shit bro. never looked cool, bro. Yeah, it, and it wasn't it, cool. It never looked cool. It, it wasn't really never, that cool. Because then niggas would go get hammered right after that shit and be right back at it six o'clock in the yeah. morning unpacking boxes. Uh, I was like, I was like that awful. shit. That, that was awful. like to me. It was like, yo, that's the grunt shit. I'm not doing the grunt shit. Fuck, I'm gonna be the nigga show up when it's time to get drunk. Right. So, but, 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 but. I need the money So the nigga He put me on the floor And it was so exciting to me I was like yo It's from some bullshit you Got but, the fever But once you When a nigga tell you At the end of the day Like you know you sold 600,000 Like right. you be like what yeah. I did what about how much you So made. wait So I get 3% of that <laughs> 6% of that It was like yeah And this shit, shit was happening All the time I was yeah. like oh no So I had independent accounts And was making money on sales So I started doing Sales for Red Monkey So after that Everybody loved me. Fucking, you know, Maki, the owner of the company who didn't speak any English. Mm. And that's when I met my partner, Shin, who was the only person in Nishigaki who, who I'm telling this whole story because that's who we started Prohibit NYC with. Mm. When you came back, Shin, the yeah. guy I met back then. Yes. yes. He was 18 years old when I met him. I really didn't know English that great, you know, so we became really good friends. And then um, Maki was like, I really fuck with you. I'm doing stuff in North America. I want you to help me in North America. So I just really just did sales for Red Monkey and Prohibit until she was like, I want to start this store in New York, in the Lower East Side. And I want you and Shin to run it. Shin moved out to New York and I came from, from my brother's house in Oakland. I was like, fuck it. I ain't doing nothing. No way. I did a six months contract with her and ended up staying seven years. She lost distribution. We took over the distribution. We took over the manufacturing. Me well, that is store, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I stayed at, was it the Chelsea? Yeah. Yep. The Chelsea was like about a hundred yards from this store. Yeah. So I would stay at the Chelsea. If I wasn't at the Dream, and yeah. these are hotels in New York. Yeah. yeah. Whenever, and I was in New York every fucking four or five months. I'd yeah. be in New York on business. Yeah. And at the first, I'd have the boxes sent ahead of me or I'd yeah. bring stuff down or peace, peace. Uh, Paul, what's up, guys? Um, <laughs> and so I remember at point, I, I would constantly, he would be one of my first check-ins. Yeah. But he'd be like, my check-in, it'd be like my bro yeah. from LA, my yeah. soul assassin brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, okay. It'd be like, all right, where are you going? All right, what you need? All right, I'm gonna, at this time, I'm going to go back to my my pad yeah. and I'm gonna get ready and then we scoop you up you're gonna meet us here like he, he'd want to make sure that everything was cool everything was cool whatever you and, need and bro brother. when I wrote this dude he a couple times he took me to like a, he took me to like I don't know man like some <laughs> spots bro and we were like in the mix bro but I didn't have to say I didn't even have to tip anybody bro I didn't even have to look at anybody I I, the next thing I know I'm in there it's like so he had it like that, bro. You know? I, I came from. I had the Lower East Side. I, I still, that's still a second home for me, man. Yeah. I, I, I actually hired Chase once or twice. You know, not like crazy amounts, but we, I remember getting him on like a, a promo salary. Yeah. With goods because yeah. I needed somebody that knew some of the people I knew, but all the people, people he knew for product placement. For sure. Yeah. So and I remember that's a we'd lot of send people boxes doing out. Me, man. Yeah, just they would come in to prohibit to do shoots and get styled and all this stuff, right? right. In this store, not right. only do you have sales, you have yeah. all these people coming, stylists. Yeah. 
picking out, okay, we're going to take out these jackets. We want to shoot that. Hey, I gotta, and he'd have a, a, like boxes of my shit. And he'd be like, oh, you should, you know, you, you use that shirt. And the next thing I know, my <laughs> shit was popping up in all sorts of places that yeah. people were like, how'd you get that? Like, no, for sure. That's my dude in New York, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. Chase, man. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we became a point to do all that. Like, we, I was the first... We, I mean, we're the only people to carry diamond. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of brands from you know, out here. Like, we ended up seating a lot of people. Were like, just because. But they also the had it like that because of his relationship here. Yeah. Right. So he was able to reach out his tentacles to Los Angeles uh. and just like carve to all these different cool factors that New York were like. If we're gonna grab a guy like this and take real good care of him. They're right. like, you got to connect back there. Because so. he knows the lay of the land. Yeah, bro. So yeah. but because you, you go into prohibit and it wouldn't look like anything from right. anywhere. Right. It was it its like own straight more. Japanese street. We were obsessed with trying to present a real Japanese streetwear experience. Like That's cool. Yeah. Like yeah. for real. Left That's hand cool. left hand, yeah. chain stitch, five pocket. Fucking selvage denim, real fucking, you know, meticulous yeah, fucking yeah, overlock, yeah. double overlock. And you learned a lot about apparel through that experience. Oh, I, I got, you know, I became a bit of an apparel savant because of that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Called, uh, uh, also called, what do they call that in Latin? Uh, garmento. 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 A garmento. A garmento. Yeah, yeah because I, you know what? Even, even with, <laughs> I'll see, you know, one thing for sure. If I'm scrolling on Instagram, and I see any kind of like really interesting prints yeah. come across my vision, there's a pretty good chance that if I stop on it, yeah. it's going to be Haroon. Yeah. You know, um, he has a very particular, yeah. particular eye yeah. and his explanation to the products that he's making, yeah. the definition of it, yeah. um, the history of what he's doing, he's passionate about it. There's a reason for the different, the different, um, the different substances and textures and textiles that he's using yeah. are all very thought of, and they're for a reason. And yes. he's, you know, trying to educate you intentional, intentionally, yeah, very much through these, um, you know, through a lot of these textiles. Right. You know? Absolutely, because yeah. it was an education for me. Like you know, we. we what we wear, like, is so, like I said, food, clothing, shelter. Mm. Clothing is meant to cover us from nakedness, from shame, right? Mm. And so much of what we wear is based upon, or what we've, mankind, what we've begun to wear is based upon, like, um, circumstance, ceremonials, or, you know, shit like that. You have, most clothes are intended for a purpose, right? This is ceremonial cloth for ritual for wedding for mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying right you don't wear the same sleep, shit to every event sleep or whatever it, or that's what they was, it was intended for whatever right so the textiles like when I started to study um, African or what they call Dutch wax fabric actually because the Dutch once they colonized certain parts of Africa started to produce these textiles that you know because people would make these you know, whether you talk about the indigenous Native Americans and their dying process and, mm -hmm. doing right. sure. and, and the beating process. The yarns. Yeah. The yarns and how these things are made. Like, it's fair. It's something really, you know, there's a, connecti Rich. There's a connectivity between human beings and nature <sighs> and, and creating and, right. and, and gathering indigo and, and, you know, dyeing a fabric and making a yarn and right. shit like it's that. Sculpting without clay. And then, just using different media. And then because mm -hmm. of that, because of the symbols and the shit that, you know, whether you ferment mud and leave it on a cloth and make a symbol or some shit like that, like all from mud cloth and all that shit became like interest. It became more important than the clothes to me. You know what I'm saying? So I always be, so when I started Harun, Harun actually is Moses' brother, Aaron. Right. In Arabic. Right. It's Harun. Um, yeah. So 
I started the brand and the, the byline for the brand is authentic articles of culture because I try to because nice. I, I try to recreate items that are from indigenous cultures with through a modern lens and that's the reason why I be trying to educate because you right. know cause I'm a light-skinned nigga right yeah. so so light-skinned people bro brothers are always guilty of wearing like kente or some overtly African cloth yeah complete, right. completely out of context for you as a Native American it's like it's like a motherfucker wearing a headdress. Man, just, I just can't, let you, me tell you. You feel I, what I'm saying? Like, I, dude, every every day somebody's like, you should wear a headdress. I'm like, motherfucker, my no, people my, didn't wear a headdress. No, <laughs> even more so, like, it's like you wearing like a Hopi symbol. Right. Right, on some like complete, just like, and, and not knowing that this shit has esoteric qualities and values. Like, you shouldn't even be wearing that in a club, bro. Right. Like, what it means. That's a spiritual right. garment. Like, that's, that's, shaman wear that. Like, you know, right. people like, and so, we do that a lot as African Americans because it's really us trying to call out our heritage and sure. be proud of who we are. But sometimes we end up misrepresenting and looking like a fucking fool. Sometimes and I know that from my own because I know people from West African shit that have told me before, like brother, I know you're trying to just represent who you are, but <laughs> that's for women. <laughs> what, you're wearing, <laughs> what you're wearing is like women only wear that, bro. You, you might think it's Afrocentric, but that's a woman's garment. Like, right. So from that, for me, I mean, and then like, you're the bad guy. Then they're mad at you, right? Then they're mad at me for just trying to be you know, your I'm friend. Trying, Look out trying, for them. Trying some, right. show some. You know African. what's funny about what you said is that uh, when they made the movie Dances with Wolves, and um, just the name alone, like listen, oh, they, they 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 went through this whole process to teach. What's the name of that actor? The the lead Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. They went through this whole. process process to teach Kevin Costner how to speak appropriate like Lakota. He goes through the whole thing and he does the best that he can. Da, 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 da. Turns out he was speaking the female version of Lakota <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> My point yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than jump out, I try to, what I do is I do research to the garments, right? right. And then put things out and try to explain. I'm like, okay. Because it also gives it more meaning too, right? If I'm charging you $100 for a pair of, of, course, a pair of Ankara pants, you're sure. like, oh no, man. These, the fucking, these sunbursts actually mean prosperity. That's the reason why they have... Oh shit! I've seen shit like this before. I didn't know man prosper. Right. Oh fuck! Okay, the birds mean okay. Like so, it just gives it more con. Cause you think when you see these patterns and shit that they don't mean nothing, you know? Right. But they do. But they do. It's been people that labored over this shit and it become an industry at this point. But it's like it's like a motherfucker write a big ass fifteen hundred page book and you read three pages. <laughs> right. That's disrespectful as fuck to a motherfucker that spent that much time putting together a 1500 page book so you read the forward in three pages and you done yeah. yeah bro that nigga labored 10 years of his life to do that shit well i got so many <laughs> friends that got those exact books on their shelves yeah with the, with the with the the title out so everybody knows that they own the book and even cracked it that's crazy so what's it like also um talk a little bit about haroon as a coffee shop as well as as a purveyor of fine coffees like what is that like what's it i mean a lot of people think they I can run in, i got into coffee i start i, start, I got a coffee maybe like eight years ago like i'm not real a huge like i know a lot about it now because I studied, because yeah. I studied, but um, before I didn't know a lot about coffee, right? Um, I was just more into like what co- what coffee shops represent. They're central points for connectivity, right? In any community, whether you're going through gentrification or it's the old hood, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. You know, the the old homies definitely going to get a cup of coffee, whether it be from Seven Eleven or a donut or, shop, or a donut shop or something. That's just right. a part of your. 
-hmm. It's a part of your everyday life navigating in the urban environment. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people in New York is centered around coffee. Right. You know, any any major metropolitan area is like... It's culture. It's culture. And it it really is... But really, it's about the conversation. Like, when you say, let's go have a cup of coffee, we're not watching each other sip coffee. We're talking about something. Exactly. (laughs) Coffee is the the medium for that, right? Right. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be living in a rap... You see, I live... You didn't come, but it's like 200 years away. Right. I live live right near in my community, so... And I see that you know, rapid gentrification happen, shit like that. Yeah. But gentrification is not always completely bad. Hmm. There's a lot of good people also that want to, you know, integrate into the community, and they have nowhere to do that. You know, the places that we had around here to, to sell coffee was fucking Krispy Kreme, Seven Eleven, and uh, McDonald's. Right. And it, you know, you in and out there. You're not sitting down chopping up with yeah, yeah. fucking McDonald's. You know right. What I'm you don't. You don't know what. Esteban does. You don't know what you know. Right, what Miguel right, does. You right. don't know what niggas do. Like, what are you niggas doing? Mm-hmm. Like, right. So, I wanted to create the place where that where that conversation happens, where that connectivity starts to happen, and then I you know, and then I really got into coffee and just learned about. Of course, you know, once I found out or discovered that Ethiopia was the birthplace That's of coffee, right. the donkeys, you know, or the uh, goats, goats. Used, to, used to eat the, the goats. Be- used to yeah, eat, used to they eat discovered the coffee, right? And they yeah. they were pepped up or whatever, and yeah. they noticed that, right? And it so, used to be the leaves. The they make the tea. The berries. They have berries and, and they the have leaves. leaves. The right. first process was with the leaves because they didn't well, know about the berries yet. Well, see, that's that's a, it depends on who you ask. Set me straight. Set me straight. It depends on who you ask. And I've, Set had, me straight. I've had huge conversations about yeah. this because the Yemenis. Go ahead. With Yemen is very close to Ethiopia. Right. It's neighboring. Right. Uh, so if you ask people from Yemen, yeah. they say, no, we started coffee. <laughs> because, <laughs> because they say, like, the Ethiopians. Discovered through the animals eating the berries and uh-huh. consuming the leaves. Yeah, but we made a cup of coffee, motherfucker. Right. Like they, they, they like we. They right. like, they're like we're the first one to distill the bean and make a drink out of it, though. Right. They they may discover. It's like one thing. It's like one thing to discover the oil. It's another to figure out how to make gas out of it. So that's what they're saying. They're like, yeah, yeah. You discovered it. You had a hot line, but I made it a hot sauce. And then also, so it's become such a place of the community that, I mean, was that why Governor Gavin Newsom came down here to get a cup of coffee? Well... Tell me the story Because you said <laughs> You said there was a story Bunch of bullshit Yeah let me see yeah, too. Not a, all of them Are all what they look It's like. a little Exactly look, My brother just said it You know Lay it the, on me The truth is um, This is This is Lamar Park Okay Los Angeles is 508 square miles Right 324 I think Los Angeles proper Yeah You mm. know So we talk about the others You know it's 508 total. Right It's a big fucking That's a lot of territory to cover You know right. what I'm saying Yeah When you go to New York Manhattan is 13 miles, bro. Right. It's tiny, really. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Gavin Newsom and any politician, particularly white ones. Right. When they come here. It's for a photo okay, op. It's for a photo op because mm-hmm. this represents mm-hmm. the entire African-American right. uh, economic spectrum right. in one stop. Right. In order for me to get below the poverty line. If I go to Watts. I'm going to get most of the shit below the poverty line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's in lower economic. Compton, pretty much the same thing. Some median income, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get any affluent black people, per se, in Compton. I'm not going to, I say that with a sweeping generalization. Right, of course. But when you come to Lamert, you get, I mean, you see it. You get 
this is one of the oldest median income black neighborhoods in the world. You right. know what I'm saying? Since the nineteen late nineteen fifties has been some, you know, insurance. All the Jack and Jill shit you get from the black community, you know. What right, saying? right, yes, it's all yes, right. Yeah. It's all right here, in Lamert. You see, right. and you get below the poverty line if you go to Ar- if you go Lamert stops at Arlington and mm-hmm. Vernon, right. So mm-hmm. if you go to Ar- if you go to Arlington, you're saying this hood is a motherfucker. So, right. So when you get below the poverty line, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get medium income. Right. And right over here is Black Beverly Hills. So you right. You got by the Ladera. Three million dollar, four million dollar homes. You right. saying five Huge five thousand square feet motherfuckers is head of FedEx and all type of shit. Right. Right. So I'm coming to Lamert Park because if I come to Lamert Park, I get the entire black contingency. I ain't got to go to Compton for the poors. Right. I ain't got. You, you know, yeah. It's a that sweet makes spot. A lot of sense. It's, it's a, a sweet spot. spot. Right here, I it's come here. I post up like, look, Gavin Newsom in beautiful Lamert Park. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? Yeah. Yeah. Take my yeah. picture, nigga. Well, yeah. that's true. Well, that's now, now, because now I got the black boat and that's all I need. They I at least I know I was I here. I don't need to go to Compton. Man. I don't need to go to Watts. If I come over here, make some noise, and they go, we fuck with Gavin. Yeah, but you're gonna get the whole black vote in L.A. Listen, period. <laughs> and, and I know that's true, and that's part of every politician's calculation. <laughs> but when Gavin Newsom looked up and down the street with all the different shops that are here, he picked her room coffee. Damn yeah, no, straight, because no, he got one no, working but, brain cell in his head. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to correct you again. There's only five open businesses on the street. Yeah. He went to every one of them. <laughs> did he go there? He's the only one that would let him in. Okay, yeah. wait. Let me, re- let me rephrase that. That's so, where that charismatic shit came in. I was like, what's happening? Yeah. 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 You're like, Gavin, you're going to write me a check for how much? I was like, you know what's crazy? You remind me of my home. Oh boy, man. Yeah, <laughs> come on in. You surf? Right. <laughs> yeah. He looked like a surfer. I was like, he's, he is super cool, though. I came front. He liked to surf for white on me. Like, oh, you know, in Venice, <laughs> it's like he like a Venice nigga. He really is. Yeah. He like a Venice dude. He like yeah. a straight, like, you could tell. That nigga probably wear jeans and flip-flops. But this, was, like this was right around the time, like, this wasn't too long ago, so this was right around the time when the, the riots were kind of, like, at the high point as well, right? No, and, this was, this was, uh, this was a uh, pandemic time, right? Pandemic time. When he was, he, when he was like, he was getting a lot of like love because he was kind of rebelling against bucking against Trump, against Trump. Right. He was like, fuck it, we opening up. Oh, yeah. And he was like, no. Nah. And then our fucking COVID spikes went nuts. And he, so saying that, so saying that as we, so saying that now, um, where are we going in the, just in your opinion, what you're seeing? Where are we going in the future in this country now? We got a major election that might Man. be one of the most important ones of all time. You ever read Jordan Maxwell? Yes. David Icke? Mm, I don't know. I haven't. Read David Biggest Icke. Biggest secret. Ma- read David Icke and Jordan Maxwell. Yeah. People that have been calling conspiracy theorists and yeah. talking shit about everything that we're going through right now. Yeah. Them niggas been talking about David, David Icke's been talking about this since 30 1995. Years. 30 years. Yeah. 30 I got, years? I got so many I, I got so much shit about this, bro. There's a book called The Biggest Secret. So, um, there's something, a, a term that started in the late 1920s called technocracy. Mm-hmm. You know? and so, the first economic revolution we went through was when they discovered all the fucking gold in California. Right. Second one was the Industrial Revolution. Right. And it was led by Detroit and shit like that. And we, right. We had, you know, mm-hmm. Machines. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Um, um, I forgot what I was talking Oh, fuck. I was trying technocracy. To technocracy. Um, this is like... The attempt, because since kind of like the uh, second world, well, since America got bought out of bankruptcy by the World Banking Organization in 1913, yep. whatever, mm-hmm. five nations, right? You get bought out of bankruptcy. Would you, would you, would you have an internal power struggle, struggle 
from people who are advancing technology to take away the power from people who who, who gain from gold and who who benefited from gold as an industry and yeah. and uh, um, uh, the industrial age, right? Steel, Rockefellers, and shit like people like yeah. That. So would you? So now it's in twenty twenty. You have these you know, technocracy kind of started as a concept, you know. Then you know the the merging of technology and government, and you see it playing out in China right now. If For really, sure. If you really want to know what America is going through, just we, we bought you know four and a half years behind China. You know the cycle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Just look whatever China's surveillance, um, privacy laws, like, you know, uh, censoring information, only having access to net neutrality shit. All that shit is like preparation for the. Right. All that shit. <laughs> it's the same shit. Like, like in four, four, so, four, four so, or five years from now, we're going to be, you know, but it's not going to be. America is the best marketing machine and the best military and police force in the world. So it's just like the pre into programming in, in, in movies, right? If we do ever get a chance or in our lifetime meet somebody that we feel is an extra or subterrestrial, we're not going to be as shocked by his physical by their physical presence because of the preparation we've had in movies. Like if you meet an alien that looks like the Predator, yeah, you're going to be like, "What's up, nigga? Yeah, I, right. I, I, mean, I know you. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 I know the spots. I didn't play with the toy. I know everything. I yeah, know how to, the whole right. shit. So it's, you might be startled, but you, there's been some preemptive program primed. Too. You've been primed to deal with this. It's not going to be as shocking to your senses immediately. You feel what I'm saying? Right. The shit like that. So it's the same way with, you know. Mr. Infinite, will you go shit. on record? Will you go on record? And say aliens exist? No. Yeah. Okay. Aliens exist. <laughs> will, you, will you go on record to predict this election outcome? No. <laughs> Smart man. I will not. Intelligent uh, man. It's yeah. unpredictable. Will you go on the record to say whom you will vote for in this election? Oh, I'm, I can tell you 100% about, uh, without a doubt that I do not participate in the political process in America. I've completely lost all hope in it. I don't feel as though, you know, I'm collectively, I think it's great that people have this energy and people need to collectivize. I want a court anyway. Right. And if it's revolting, cool. Because we'll discover something else along that road. But I'm, I don't take part in American. Interesting. So if Biden and Harris win, in your mind, it's sort of all still the same game. Absolutely. All right. I mean, you're, I'm, you're an I'm You're an indigenous Native American, brother. Love. Yeah, go ahead. How many, how many wings does a bird have? Two. There you go. Same, same bird. Right. So I don't give a fuck if you right wing or left wing. Right. Same The bird. vulture's still coming. You got to use both wings to go in one direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This wing don't go here. This one go over there. Yeah. No, it's the same shit. That's like, it's simple to me. I, right. I, I break it down to, let's take it back to the, to the ancestors. Yeah. Well. Every bird got two wings. I just don't listen. It's a bird. Right. <laughs> I don't concentrate on the wings. Right. What's that? What's uh, what is? Uh, I love that. Give us a little, because we're gonna get class, close to wrapping it up here. I want you to give me just a little, a look at like what's what's Chase on now. Your agency, what you guys do, what does the future look Boom. like for Haroon? Agency, your agency 78, man. That's me and hip hop, a brother named Kimbo Hip Hop Joshua. It's a management company I have in um, um, uh, partnership with Rock Nation. So we did a, that's what you're talking about, the Jay Z stuff. So mm -hmm. every client that I do on the management side, I do in partnership with Rock Nation because I don't like to do the day to day shit. I like to kind of build. Um, so we've got uh, Benny the Butcher. 
West Side Gun and a guy named Conway, which is Griselda. Yeah, um, we true. Do, we do some um, consulting for Loma Vista Records. We work with uh, Denzel Curry's team and, you know, helping them um, carve out some of their creative stuff. He has, he has an incredible team already. We just kind of aid them. Um, DJ DS, which is DJ Dodger Stadium, is a, a, a DJ duo from Los Angeles. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, Action Bronson. We can we, we consult Damn, on, on these, we consult on this stuff for Loma Vista. Mm-hmm. Um, we consult for Warner Brothers Records as well. Nice and doing you know some of their more hip hoppy stuff like Earl Sweatshirt and that's on the marketing side. So Agency mm-hmm. Seventy Eight does it's kind of multifaceted. We do we do A and R consulting, marketing, and management depending on the client. So I'm just telling you some of the clients that we have on that side. And then Haroon. Um, I'm turning the side that we're in right now, which is before this was a gallery. On the right side is uh, coffee, tea, donuts, smoothies, <clears throat> food. Mm-hmm. Over here was um, a gallery and a select shop, which carried my clothing brand and stuff like that, and some mm-hmm. of my friends' clothes and some books and art and shit like that. But because since COVID happened, um, you know, I, I've decided that you know probably the the perfect counterpart for this is not clothes. Like you know, vanity's cool. You know, but people just aren't as eager to buy a hundred dollar hoodie. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers want to know, you know, do you have some tomatoes or fucking zucchini or some shit like that? So yeah. um, this side I'm turning into a market. Nice. Right, so this nice. is this would be a neighborhood market. Smart. Um, and it just making that way that because I also lost, you know, almost lost my entire business and all my employees. You know, like, you know, we became a part of a program that the Marquise Harris Dawson, who's a councilman in the city, he made us a part of this thing called. Um, uh, emergency 19 um, a COVID emergency pro meal program so we were feeding 150 senior citizens three days a week so that that helped us a lot mm-hmm. but um you know that helped us stay in business but I I, I wasn't making no money in coffee sales because people weren't coming here and then people's ideas just changed like if I'm going I can't go to work I'm going through all this COVID shit money's a real fucking problem economy's going crazy I'm not paying six dollars for your fucking iced latte. Right. Period. And right. you got to understand that, right? Right. Particularly in this neighborhood, we right. not we not in Beverly Hills or no shit like that. So right. motherfuckers coming here and like, man, I'm not buying a six dollar cup of coffee. You'll be fucked up. I'm right. going to McDonald's, nigga. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Right. 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 There's going to be a piece of that. Exactly. That's going to be part of coming into your community and doing what you do. Yeah. You know so saying? so that helped. Like when I got the emergency COVID shit, but then I was like, man. In order for me to be bulletproof through this shit, I gotta make this a market. It has to be something that's essential and provide. There you go. And provide yes, shit for people right. every day. So I was, and I, and I, and I always was kind of my concept too. You know, I'm a big. I've been a vegan 15 years. I'm a huge fan of fucking. Me too. Air, for, I've been a huge fan of Erewhon, but I spend a lot of bread there. Yeah, it's and expensive. I, and I know the distributors they buy from. You know, and I have the list from the distributors they buy from. It's a two and a half, three times, sometimes four times markup. Because, you know, what they have to do to bring this shit in, like, you know, but it shouldn't be that bad for people to buy healthy, organic, vegetarian or vegan products. Right. And then I realized I did some research. I'm like, nigga, it's 64 supermarkets in all of South Los Angeles. Right. Damn. Half of which are, the most of which are food for lessons, which, right. are, which is secondary, Damn. horrible well, fucking room. food. It's like the bottom There's plenty of room. Bro, there's 64 only. And then I could count on one hand how many would you would buy food from. Right. One right. hand, bro. Right. Right. One hand, and then in in the gentrifying communities like this, nothing. You got liquor stores that you know be having avocados and and, and bananas and shit sometimes, but it's mm-hmm. very selected, yeah. and they have some gondola aisles, the shelves, or whatever. Yeah. But it don't be nothing significant. I was like, mm-hmm. bro. So I hired, you know, I, I'm working with some brothers that mm-hmm. used to work at, at Air One. 
yeah. to help them. I was like, man, make this. If Erwan was open in the fucking airport, put this here. Nah. <laughs> like, make this right Genius. here. Genius. That's what I want to do. Right. Genius. Because it's like, we need that shit. We said food desert, man. Mm-hmm. When you leave from here right now, you'd be hungry as a motherfucker. It's a Jamaican spot down the street called Aki Bamboo that I love. Then it's McDonald's, rallies. There's no other alternatives for you to fucking eat, bro. Right. There's no nothing else. You go to the grocery store, there's no... You can't get the same shit you get at fucking... Um, uh, 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 Bristol Farms or some shit like that in, uh, 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 in Beverly Hills or, or even on the west side in Santa 100%. Monica because there's so much because Santa Monica means so much to now to the city like you know what I'm saying they put all type of resources over there yeah, but, it, but even though there's but, not even a Trader Joe's around here right no there's no, no Trader Joe's Trader there's no Joe's Trader Joe's is at, at the Fox Hills Mall which is Culver City Culver now city. Right. you feel yeah. what I'm saying there's yeah. nothing in South Florida there's nothing over yeah. here bro there's nothing that, I have to literally go to 3rd Street and to get to Whole Foods and shit or go to South either further south in Manhattan Beach or some shit like that so I was like yeah, you know that's what? crazy I was like you know what I need to be I need to because it used to be they used to have Buddha Market and you know liquor stores used to be more like markets mm-hmm. you feel what I'm saying like a bodega before yeah, yeah before yeah. liquor really took over and, and the, all the, shit the, and you know what I was just I took I took I don't know who else was with us when I used to live out Overhill in 61st, yeah. when I had my home there, yeah, you used to go to that health food store right there on Sloss and everything. Yeah, it's still up there. Uh, 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 Simply Wholesome. Come Simply on, Simply Wholesome, yeah, dog. Yeah, the OG. Remember, Is that I where we went and got the went? smoothies? Oh, yeah. the smoothies. Good. Remember that? Oh, my Damn, you making me want to go up there right now. Oh, their smoothies, <laughs> their giant smoothies. 32 the ounce joints. Yeah, oh, the with the peanut butter Big protein gold. and blueberry. Oh, oh my God, gold. bro. Oh, As a matter of fact, I think we need to go there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like your one meal for the day. I think it's like 1,600, 2,000 calories <laughs> for one smoothie. Right? <laughs> hey, uh, but that, but that, was, that was part of my inspiration, too. Like having simply, it just right. needs to. They, they just stuck to their own. That's it, bro. Because yeah. they, 20 years ago, they were there. And, it, and that place is packed. Cool every time I've gone to that place, it's packed. Think about how different it would be if everybody felt like that. All, right. your, all the homies in Santa Monica was like, nah, fuck that. We put a market here for the... Right, right, right. For us. Right. Right. We're allowed to be able to get right. our shit, nigga, and not have to go to the, the fucking um, the Mexican store that the white dude just opened. Right, right, right. I don't fucking know. Right. Like, like, my nigga, we, we lost that. And we got to get back to that shit. We got to have, sure. you know... Hey, Chase, man... Um, can people uh, work? W- what can people follow? Uh, you follow me at um, at Chase Infinite at C H A C E underscore I N F I N I T E. You can follow at Haroon Coffee at H A R U N C O F F E E. And man, just stay tuned and follow my brother Lucky. You know what I'm saying? Lucky Luciano. Yeah. <laughs> hey, brother. Uh, I want to say, man, I love you, man. I, I love respect you, too, man. you, bro. Yeah, real shit, real shit. I it was an honor you. to like talk to you. Like my dad used to say, I love you from the heart, not the hip, brother. Wait, yeah. Yeah. I, got, I got one question. Chase, are you going to be blessing us with any music anytime yeah, soon. soon? We got an album coming yeah. out called. Yeah. We got an album coming out, Fear and Propaganda. Yeah. Me, me and Khalil, it's going to yeah. be finished soon. I'm about to put out a new song on Friday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we just putting out a couple songs and then getting shit mixed. But um, I got a song called All Written. That's which talks up. about all this shit going on. Bro. That's what's up. Yeah, bro. Awesome. I'm excited to hear yeah. that. Right on. It's crazy because as much as we do, is like I be excited about the music, but I be like I'm more excited about like the grocery store. Like, I like that. Shit to grocery store. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, big shout out to the guy that's uh, skateboarding across the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Um, yeah. All right, listen, man. Thank you, brother, Thank for allowing us in here. It was Haroon Coffee, you guys. Haroon Coffee. Lamert right, Park. Lamert Park. Yes. Best, one of the best lattes I've had in the last 10 years. You heard? It's not the best, just now. I gotta say, a lovely clientele coming and going, my oh, friend. For sure. Oh, no, it's, listen, yeah, man, if, you like the people, if you like the people watch, 
Come hither. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to peace out. Sayonara and adios, amigos, Peace. from the Hard Luck Show. Woo.